Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So, Kevin, I would like to know if you did any of the following yesterday. Kind of a rainy day yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, did you attend... Are you Catholic? I am, yeah. Uh-huh. Did you do it? Yeah, uh huh. Did you attend mass yesterday? Who are you going to vote for? You think in twenty twenty four? You want to go there too? <laughs> um, I no. But was there something going on yesterday? Yeah, Shows okay. you how big of a Catholic I am. Okay. Did you watch uh, a marathon of any movies on TNT last night? No. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> did you go to bed at an unusual hour or make sure the kids were at bed early? Normal time for the kids. Max a little fussy, so okay. that was kind of what. The night consisted of Lashley, slash my Lashley. wife watching The Bachelor. Did you leave any milk and cookies near the fireplace? No. Okay. Reason I ask, this is officially, is it not, Mark, the Kevin Bowen Christmas Eve? I look at it as this is your Christmas Eve. Like, this is your time. Because Mike Bray's final home game is tomorrow? <laughs> NFL Combine converges on Indianapolis chatter discussion draft trades free agents i mean this is and i mean that in a good way like this i i think personally if you look at like the two weeks of the the show that we are at the track like that's my element right those are my peeps this is your this is your element you told me you're watching movies i thought the leprechaun movies were on or something and you're getting ready for saint patrick's day i was like, still trying to go, go back, back to, to if i should have been at mass yesterday i'm like a monday at mass boy that sounds <laughs> well don't you go to mass on christmas eve if you're cat- well, i mean church whatever <laughs> uh, i i i am a big combine fan jake i think it's pretty cool that our city continues to host this they'll host it at least for another season you know it's the one nfl event all year long where you combine present and you combine future Mark brought it up just before we got on air. I mean, Derek Carr is in Indianapolis today. He's in Indianapolis to meet with prospective teams about where he's going to play in 2023. And then as the week moves along, you're going to obviously have the future on display with quarterbacks working out. So it is a very, very busy week in Indy. And I think today's show kind of reflects that. Certainly we'll preview a lot of basketball because there is a lot tonight. Uh, 6.30, 7 o'clock, 8.30, so some staggered start times. Butler and Marquette at 6.30. That is the number six ranked Marquette Golden Eagles, by the way. They got might surprise some people. Indiana back in action with Iowa at 7, and then the Pacers at 8.30. As far as guests, though, Jake, we're going to have uh, not Feisty Foster as in the Pacers guy, but Jeff Foster, who pretty much runs, runs the combine, and uh, putting it in simplest terms, and has done that for years now. Um, he is the president of National National Football Scouting Inc. That is located here in Indianapolis. He's going to join us at seven thirty. Just give us a little bit of lay of the land and exactly what goes into this week. Norv Turner at nine o'clock. That is the former NFL head coach, Norv Turner, Shane Steichen's mentor. Uh, really looking forward to that conversation. And then to round it out, uh, Brett Calloway is going to join us at nine forty-five. For those unfamiliar with that name, basically the company that is Exos, Jake, is like the Alabama of training. They are the gold standard of, 
I would say athletic training, but specifically football training. Last year of the 32 first-round picks, I think nearly half of them trained with Exos. And that is a huge part of this week And that basically what that organization is doing, they're at the Omni, they've turned a ballroom into their workout facility. And they're getting these prospects ready to work out, which again, workouts Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we're going to cover a little bit of everything on uh, on today's show. Now, <clears throat> Brett Calloway sounds like he would be the the number one golfer at TCU. Mm. You know what I mean? Sounds like a, a mid-major guy that averages 19 a game, and he's going to be the <laughs> darling of the tournament. That's right. Brett Calloway, who's a sharpshooter out of UC Irvine. They're 28-1. They're and one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, he's trained a lot of Colts-specific players as well. I mean, if you're a household name in the NFL, you have probably trained at one of their facilities. They've got three around the U.S., and I, I just think it's kind of a different angle we don't talk about with the combine of... I mean, these are guys running 40-yard dashes at midnight trying to get ready for a time of year, which I know we can make fun of it, Jake, but think about this. If you're a draft prospect, your season ends in January, and you look at the first mock draft, and you're projected to go 28th, and you set the combine on fire, and you get drafted 14th, you know the financial difference between drafting 28th versus 14th? That is a huge, huge sum of money, and I think this is a part of the process now that more and more teams are so locked in, the Colts being atop the list, in these measurables, the testing numbers, all of that. It matters. It matters a lot to these NFL teams, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. You know, you know what this is? And maybe I'm going with an antiquated analogy here. I know that's shocking because I, I don't know that they do this as much anymore for kids. But when I was in high school, the big deal, the big deal, starting in your freshman year, probably in the second semester of your freshman year, the big deal, you, if you knew that you wanted to go to college, and I was fortunate that I grew up in an environment where college was like 13th grade. I mean, like 98% of my graduating class went to college. I realize not all kids have that luxury or even necessity, but if you were wanting to go to college, then around your freshman year, second semester or so, they started talking to you about in your sophomore year, you took the pre-SATs. Did you ever take the pre-SATs, Kevin? I did not, no. And then in your junior year, and in the, the fall of your junior year, you really buckled down for the SAT. Now, did you take the SAT or the uh-huh. ACT? Yep, yep. SAT. And you really buckled down for it. And it was a big deal what score you got. And then you later found out that in reality, the college or the high school grade point average and activities were really what schools looked at. But the SAT could put you over the top if you were a borderline entry. So if you had a 2-7, but you had a 14-10 on the SATs, you were probably getting into a school. So the SATs was your tiebreaker that really was the final push to show what your potential was as a student. That's what the combine is. They want to see your tape. They want to see what you've done as a player at Iowa, as a player at Indiana, as a player at Stanford. But if you are somebody that on tape had some intangibles or big numbers, the combine can really set you apart. If you go in and you you interview well and you, you're you. Your medicals, are clear. Well, your medicals are clear. In addition to that, I, 
The other thing that I've always been curious about with the combine, Kevin, do you believe the combine is a bigger proving ground? I'm going to give you two groups. You tell me which one this is a more critical week for, okay? Is it a more critical week for a guy that was at a, you know, that was a nice, solid starting linebacker for Iowa State? that people look at as maybe being a late-round draft pick to become a special teams guy, but they haven't necessarily put him through the very specific analysis that might actually make him a backup linebacker in the NFL? Or is it a bigger week for the guy that has every eye-popping stat known to man but played at South Carolina State or the Citadel? Yeah, I, I would say it's biggest Jake for the for the freak athlete. It, it, it's biggest for the testing guys. If you are this all American linebacker at the Citadel and you had two hundred tackle seasons throughout your four years, you would love for that to be <laughs> the thing that separates you. But this week is not really like that. Which fair or unfair, you can look at it. I think one of two ways. But this week is more about your potential, and can we tap into? That potential. These teams have seen you on film. They've seen the box score. They've seen the back of the baseball card. Now they want to see, all right, is there stuff that we can grow and develop? And I think that's what so much of this week is about. Again, workouts will begin on Thursday. The defensive guys are already in Indianapolis. The offensive players will start to arrive uh, today and the rest of this week. We are planning to have Nick Sirianni, that would be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, join us on tomorrow's show Shane Steichen who obviously was the play caller for Nick Sirianni going to join us on Friday so we'll be over the combine Wednesday Thursday and Friday it's pretty it's pretty fun over there I mean I enjoy it yeah and I obviously I do as well um and so seven to ten there is a little bit of media activity during those time periods when we are over there um so we'll continue to have guests in and out over the next um, three days. I mentioned this, Jake. It is a busy night on the hardwood. You know, when you think back to how Indiana responded from that first Purdue win, remember how there's a lot of worry about that Rutgers game. Oh, boy, a trap game, emotional win. You storm the floor. You know, you're out celebrating probably after that win Saturday in Bloomington. And Indiana beat Rutgers at home back in early February. I almost look at tonight and think, didn't Iowa have a really emotional win over the weekend? Yeah, and a physically exerting one too. I mean, right? That had to be yeah overtime, and that had to be kind of a wild experience for them. Uh, a five and a half point favorite Indiana in this one. No Xavier Johnson. We're starting to get to a time in the year, Jake. Where I know what you're going to say. When do you reinsert him, I, and, and how? Yeah. Like, okay, so you've got Iowa tonight. He's not playing. Sunday is senior day with Michigan, and then the Big Ten tournament. Ideally, you would make a run in the Big Ten tournament for several reasons. I think it's critical, Jake, to play several games in the Big Ten tournament, so that is when you can kind of re-assimilate him, I guess, into the rotation. I don't think you want to flirt with any of that come NCAA tournament time, even I, if you're like a three seed I in think the, the one advantage. This is a an area where I think Mike Woodson does have some some sort of an advantage in the fact that he coached in the NBA, Kevin, and in the in the NBA, you're bringing guys in and out from injury all the time. You're reacclimating players in the NBA all the time. Like, how often do the Pacers have the same lineup and the same first three guys off right. the bench? 
You, you know, in the NBA, you are constantly shuffling. So I'm not saying that that means that Xavier Johnson and his teammates are going to be ready for that. But I do think that in terms of just balancing out or figuring it out, Woodson would be a pretty good guy to have in that area. It's a good point. Um, again, he hasn't played Xavier Johnson since early December. So this is a long time he's been off the floor. Obviously, we know what Jalen Huchifino has done since. I, I do believe it, you know, for Indiana to make that Sweet 16, Elite 8, potentially further type run, a good Xavier Johnson is what you would want and, and, and I think need. Uh, but at the same time, as I said to Bob Kravitz yesterday, there's some volatility in his return. So that'll be something to watch, I guess, later this week and potentially next week into the Big Ten Tournament. The Pacers back in action tonight. They are at Dallas. They are a seven-point underdog. The Luka Doncic-Kyrie Irving thing has had a few road bumps. So my buddy Mac Engel, who writes for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, was just home and we were talking about this. And he was telling me that apparently... Luka Doncic, when that was a possibility or was on the table, the Mavericks were just kind of, you know, okay, listening to the conversation. And then Doncic got word that Kyrie Irving was a possibility, and he went to management and said, we got to get him. This, 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 we got, that's according to Matt. Like, hmm. we got to get him. Yeah. So I'm A little birdie on his shoulder saying, be careful what you wish for. Uh, no kidding, man. I mean, that's, there's, there's only one basketball, right? Both of them are very special players. But so far, you're right. That has not necessarily meshed together. They've lost four of five. Um, it does sound like they could get Maxi Kleber back tonight, who has you know been a pretty consistent big guy for them. He's missed the last couple of months due to a, I think it's a hamstring injury. They are favored by seven over the Pacers. I did see one note from the Pacers yesterday. Kendall Brown, their second-round rookie out of Baylor, the other one besides Andrew Nemhard. Um, it sounds like he's going to be out for the year. Surgery on his right tibia. Uh, that's kind of a bummer of a rookie season for a guy that... I think they had some promise for him, right? He just needed reps in yeah. Fort Wayne and, and really didn't get a lot of that. 16 games in the G League, 6 in the NBA for Kendall Brown. He's only 19 years old, so you would have liked to have seen just a nice full season for him. Again, even if it was just with the Mad Ants of development. Very raw, athletic wing guy. Uh, but his rookie season will come to close. Battled several in- injuries. By the way, uh, on the basketball schedule as well, a uh, decent one tonight. Pretty big game for Ball State, actually, because they're 11-5 and five in the MAC for Michael Lewis's group. That puts them three back of Toledo, but Akron's right in front of them, 12-4. and four. The game is in Akron, so a chance to put themselves in position where they'd be third overall in the conference. You know, you want to, you're looking at a position for the conference tournament, obviously, uh, but exceeded expectation this year so far for Ball State's um, – for Michael Lewis's gang, twenty and nine and eleven and five in the match. You know, I saw it last night, Jake. We are starting to enter mid-major tournament season. Yeah, it's the best, which I love. I absolutely love, it's the I, best. especially like early in the week. ESPN does a really nice job of you know, this is the last weekend for the major conferences with the regular season. So next Monday, Tuesday will turn into like seven, nine o'clock. ESPN, ESPN two, conference championship games. So uh, looking forward to that, and obviously Ball State and maybe even Indiana State with a chance to make a run and punch their tickets. It's, you know, it's always fun this time of year coming up in a week or so when you come home on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and you turn it on and, you know, Delaware State has just hit a three-pointer over Coppin State to punch their ticket and everybody's Mm -hmm. rushing the court and 
It's pretty awesome. And I love seeing the gyms. You know, typically yeah, it's yeah. just on the home floor of whoever is the higher seated team. So that is what late February into March all about. Is so there's no February thirtieth this year, is that right? Uh correct. No, it's there's no there's February twenty ninth. There's never a February thirtieth. There's no twenty ninth, right? No leap day. Mark this year. just looked at me like I had two. He- what, what are you looking at me crazy? Well, the February thirtieth. I was like February thirtieth. Yeah, for I, some reason I thought it was the twenty. In Kevin's today. defense, I get confused by this all the time. Leap year every four years there is a twenty ninth, right? Leap year confuses me, but I've never thought of a, there being a February thirtieth. Well, I get twenty yeah. ninth. Do you know one? I'm a half a century old. One fact about me. I have never in my life remembered that little rhyme. I literally never know in a month whether there are 30 or 31 days. You don't do the knuckles? No, how do you do the knuckles? What do you do? So your raised knuckles are 31 days. All my knuckles are raised. Well, you know, you have a little divot right here, a little little, little pivot. So you go January, February, March, April, May, June, July, repeat, July, August. No, wait, hold on, hold on. July and August have 31. So did you do July and August on the same thing? Yeah, so then you go back across. But July and August is this knuckle? So go right to left and then come back left to right. But the one knuckle has two months? Correct. Well, that's this is thrilling radio, by the way. Talking about knuckles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know. Well, you're about to get a couple of them. <laughs> Education, right? Uh, right? We educate and entertain on this program. That Punch each other, That too. was more one than the other. Uh, the Colts sounds like finalizing their coaching staff. Again, Shane Steichen going to meet the media tomorrow at the Combine, Friday on with so us. So September has 30? Correct. Uh, yeah, correct. Yep. October is Halloween, of course. Um well, that's fascinating. I Gus guess. Bradley reportedly returning. Jake, does that mean Yannick Ngakwe is back? Probably. Um, you know, what have we said about Yannick Ngakwe other than, you know, you need Ngakwe? Um, a lot of his sacks, it feels like. I'm not saying this is the case, Kevin. But it does feel like he is Ray Langford. I always use that analogy. Ray Langford, St. Louis Cardinal baseball player when I was in St. Louis. 25 home runs a year, and like 19 of them were in eight nothing games in the eighth inning. And it kind of feels like that's what... Did he make one play in the fourth quarter last year? He, he did have a few moments, be, and I know because my Twitter would blow up with people telling me you need a guy. Yeah, nine and a half sacks in, in 15 games. I mean, when you think about that, that combination, throw his age in there too, Jake. 15 games played, nine and a half sacks, and he's 27 years old. The Colts have dreamt for that at defensive end. Like, that is so rare for them over the last decade to get those things. Pretty durable, some nice production, and again, still on the right side of 30. But yeah, you just wanted more. I I just didn't feel like you got consistent pressure. I didn't feel like you got timely pressure out of him. But again, having said that, Jake, if you let him walk... You're saying to Quiddy Pay, dude, we need a dozen from you. Totally. And we need you to be healthy. And they which they do, by the way, for both those things. Sure. But that's a lot. I but, think. But to doesn't it feel like Quiddy Pay has shown small flashes where that's possible? Yes, but boy, I feel like health has been a little bit of a hindrance for him. So again, free agency starts two weeks from tomorrow. That's what a big part of this week is combine wise with agents in town. And uh, you know, GM's meeting with those respective agents. So Gus Bradley sounds like he will be back. Tony Sperano Jr., that is the reported hire on the offensive line. Jake, we've talked about this with Shane Steichen's hire. I think you could make the argument the offensive line hire 
might be the most important staff member that Steichen hires. Hard to argue that. Uh, the Sperano resume is nothing eye-popping. Um, I think people will recognize the name that, remember, his father coached Dolphins and Raiders, I think it was? Dolphins is the one I think he's most known right. for, right? Um, but he has never been a full-time offensive line coach in the NFL. He was most recently with the New York Giants. But when you look at this offensive line here in Indy, it goes without saying. You need continued development at left tackle for Bernard Ryman. And then with your veterans, you need them to play like they're paid. The Mark, you had said that Derek Carr is in Indianapolis. Is yep. that right? Mm-hmm. You hear that? And Kevin? <laughs> I guess we should clarify, Derek, not, not Derek, to meet with the Colts. We don't know, right? Uh, Mark, what, what were the teams? Jets? Jets, Saints, Panthers. Jets, we should have teased that, probably, right? David's <laughs> going to get on us. We should have said, Derek Carr's in Indianapolis. I know, Carlton texted me all nervous about why he was, uh, why he is in town. But again, that's why I think the Combine's a cool event. You get a little present. I, I have not, future. Kevin, this is the first time that I have, re- I have heard of free agents coming here for the Combine. Well, and, I, I, and I get why. I mean, it's it, it does make sense, but I, I don't remember that. Do you? Well, Carr is a unique case in that, you know, the Raiders have already cut him. No, I get it. So but I, I just, I, you know, when you think about Campbell, like think about the Colts free agents and Gakwe, Bobby Okereke, Paris Campbell, they aren't technically free agents yet. That doesn't start until the new league right. year begins. Carr is this different, you know, little bit of an outlier in that given his contract and how much the Raiders owed him, he is technically already on the open market. Um, So that will be a domino, though, to watch because what if you get to a team that is in the quarterback market? Does that take a team away that could trade up with the Colts? And we saw yesterday, we get more into this a little bit later in the show, but is now Washington a team to watch in the quarterback market with the official release of Carson Wentz? Or are they like, hey, Sam Howell, here you go? You know, better question... What's what's the future there? What's the future of Carson Wentz? Boy, living in Zionsville. I, I there's no way a team can give him another chance, especially as a starter. Friend of mine, by the way, Sunday. She lives in Denver. Walks into her daughter's sixth grade basketball game on a Sunday at a big school in Denver. And sitting right there in the parents' bleachers, Peyton Manning. There we go. Watching the game. Just a normal dude. And I'm like, that right there is why it continues to hurt the people of Indianapolis that he was released. So we have Carson Wentz and Andrew Luck living here, and they have Peyton Manning. Is that what you're saying? That should be Peyton Manning sitting at Park Tudor High School where his kid's going to be setting NFL or, you know, high school records in two years. And people should be running into Peyton Manning at. The Kroger on, you know, Greyhound Pass. Peyton doesn't strike me as a Kroger guy. Well, he was a Marsh guy. He and Fieldy used to hang out all the time together at Marsh. It is pretty remarkable, the Carson Wentz career. Totally. And, you know, there's no way to say this in a positive manner, but he pretty much got Doug Peterson and Frank Reich fired. And, And you know what? Philly, I think, Jake, and again, we'll have... Nick Sirianni on the show tomorrow. I mean, they deserve some credit for like realizing they were wrong on Wentz. I mean, they decided to trade him 
less than two years after giving him a $120 million contract extension. You don't see teams do that a whole lot. Kevin, But they admitted Carson they were wrong Wentz, and pivoted well. Carson Wentz is one of the great enigmas in sports. And I know we're up against it, but he, he lives here in Indiana. For those that don't know, because I know a lot of people have said, like, hey, I saw Carson Wentz. Like, is he in town for something? He lives here. Like, and I mean this not as a detriment to the guy, but almost like as a as a an attribute to him. Carson Wentz seemingly is tone deaf as to what the perception in Indianapolis is of Carson Wentz. But he and his wife apparently liked it here, and I think up in Westfield somewhere or like West Carmel, and they live here. And from what I've heard, he's he's a nice guy when people run into him in public. <clears throat> but you could argue the Colts and the Commanders were tone deaf to Carson Wentz. Totally, as well. and that's the thing about him is like. You know, Jim Mercer caught a lot of criticism for just deciding that he didn't want to be around Carson Wentz anymore. And I know that the vaccine, you know, became an issue. But, you know, there are other things I've heard just about Carson Wentz and like his aloof nature within the, the locker room that Jim Mercer himself <clears throat> at times witnessed up close and personal. And he's like, I'm just not going to deal with this guy. Again, nothing malicious. It wasn't like he was walking down the hallway you know, like a, a complete jackass or anything, but for whatever reason now, I mean, at some point you have to say, okay, three franchises now after putting me through the car wash have decided that I had too many scrapes in the paint. At some point that's on you and you've got to say, well, what is the deal? And it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating that a guy like that who does have talent, who does have size, who does have skill, there is something about him in terms of just an it factor that some guys have an it factor and some guys have something that rhymes with it factor, and he is the latter. Too much scar on the scar tissue from exiting Philadelphia. I think that is yep. why he has not gotten back or you know sniffed the player that he was early, early in his NFL career. Again, Norv Turner going to join us at 9 o'clock to talk Shane Steichen and some combine conversation around that. We'll look ahead to a busy night on the hardwood. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton on a Tuesday. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, let's begin at Hinkle tonight, 6.30, Butler's senior night. They are taking on the number six-ranked Marquette Golden Eagle. Shaka Smart having a tremendous season with Marquette. Eight-and-a-half-point favorites over Butler at 7 o'clock down in Bloomington. It's IU and Iowa. IU favored by a handful there. Again, no Xavier Johnson for that one. You think back to that first meeting, Jake. Remember the high-scoring game? Indiana had the huge lead at Iowa City and then just couldn't hit any free throws, struggled, um, certainly defending Iowa. That was during that stretch where Indiana lost three in a row. Chris Murray had 30 in that first match. It was such an Indiana at Iowa game, wasn't it? Really was. Yeah, 91-89 was the final in that one. Um, and then tonight you mentioned Jake a big one uh in Akron for the uh, Trip Trippers. That's right. Ball State at 20 and 9. They're 11 and 5 in the MAC. That puts them one game behind Akron and they have a chance tonight to catch that ground that would put them into third place in the MAC overall. Seeding for the tournament comes into play. Seven o'clock tip tonight in Akron. Also, Purdue Fort Wayne at Detroit Mercy at seven, and IUPUI in the Horizon League tournament opening round, taking on Robert Morris. Pacers in action tonight, taking on the Mavericks in Dallas. That's an eight thirty tip. 
Benedict Matherin, they took time away from standing, posing for the statue that's going to be built for him to talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the talent of the Dallas Mavericks. Pretty much, you know, I'm always looking forward to play a lot against, uh, you know, great players. You know, on um, my first time playing against Luka, um, you know, I'm looking forward to going to court and, you know, pretty much win the game. You know, for me, it's, this is just, it's just another game in the books, you know, um, so I'm trying to make it a win. Yeah, they have not seen Dallas this season. Um, so this will be the first matchup with them. Of course, Kyrie Irving, a part of the Mavericks. They have lost four of five. Dallas currently in the sixth spot in the Western Conference. Uh, for the Pacers, this is part of a four-game road trip for them. It's at San Antonio coming up on Thursday as they close out February and start March with a lot of games away from home. He doesn't sound like what he looks like, does he? Very deep voice. For Benedict Mather. Uh, AP Men's College Basketball Top 25. Purdue, and I guess this is a real tip of the cap to what they think of Indiana. Purdue last week was number five. They lost to Purdue or lost to Indiana at home. They are now number five. Did not move. As a matter of fact, top five unchanged. Houston, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, and Purdue. Marquette, as Kevin had mentioned, is now up to number six, followed by Baylor, Arizona, Texas, and Gonzaga. Indiana now the 15th ranked team in the land. That, to me, that's surprising that Indiana would go in and pretty handily beat Purdue and move up two spots. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they lost to Michigan State in the same I guess week, that's true, but, but and I know you know Purdue falling to five. I think a lot of teams in that six to ten range lost this pack past week. Like Marquette is six; they made a huge jump up into the polls. I thought it was interesting. Jake Joe Lenardi was on with John yesterday afternoon. He's got Purdue as his final number one seed right now. Um, Something that he pointed, and I know this gets a little bit into kind of the the weeds of the NCAA tournament selection process, but he was saying that the number one overall seed cannot be in the same region as the fifth overall seed, meaning the number one seed cannot face the top number two seed. That would matter if Alabama continues to be the number one seed. Theoretically, they would go to Louisville for that region. Purdue then could not be in that region if Purdue was the number one two seed. If you follow that, I do. Um, I think a, a debate, you know, would, if you're Purdue, would you rather be the number one seed out west or the top two seed somewhere else? I, I mean, I think you always go with the one seed, right? Don't you? In Vegas, what if Arizona's the two? What if UCLA is the two? Yeah. You know, again, it seems a little, I don't know. I'm thinking, is this what we, we should be debating about Purdue right now? Maybe just get back on your winning ways. But, I mean, they still have a resume that's very capable of being a one seed, especially if they're able to take care of business at Wisconsin Thursday, uh, home to Illinois on Sunday, and then win a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament. He had Indiana as the top four seed. Was that correct? Yeah, that's right. And Indiana was a four seed going into the week, and they stay on that line. I think they've got a chance, obviously, to move up to three. I don't don't know that Indiana could get into the two line, but I think three is possible depending on – the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, Kev, give me a number 1 through 25. Uh, 19. 19. You have been given San Diego State. Oh, 23 and 5. Aztecs. Mark? Let's go, Aztecs. 22. 22. Uh, you get TCU, who's 19 and 10 in the AP poll. And, well, they're 22 in both polls. And give me a number for me, Mark. 24. 24. I'm going to have to walk around wearing a Maryland T-shirt. They are the USA Today 24th ranked team. The other side of things, Texas A&M in the AP poll. Jake, the last time Indiana and Purdue were both top four seeds in a tournament? If I had to guess, I would say... Give me two guesses here. Let me ask you this. 
Were you able to? Well, no. Okay. Well, you think I'm 40? Were so you, were you yeah. in college at the time? <laughs> no. 94. No. 93. I was not alive. Really? Uh, 87. 88. Okay. 88, what was Indiana? They got beat by Richmond in the opening round. Uh, Joe Hillman airballed out of the corner. I broke our telephone. Uh, what was Indiana seeded in 88? I think you got to go to 87 for them to be both top three seeds, 88 both top four seeds. Okay. In so that. Indiana must have been a four seed because 88, uh, Purdue was a number one seed. They got knocked out by Kansas State and Mitch Richmond. And you know, the other thing that's kind of crazy is these teams just, they've never really played in the Big Ten tournament either. Right. I think they played in the inaugural one and that was it. I, th- I seem to remember Brad Miller having a good game. Well, yeah, I mean, that could certainly fall in line with when that year would have been. All right, uh, some Combine discussion coming up next. Jeff Foster, he runs the show. He's been a big reason why the Combine has stayed here in Indianapolis. Um, the president of the National Football Scouting Inc. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He joins us next. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 at 107.5. The Fan. Not sure you're going to find a busier man than our next guest. He is Jeff Foster. I don't believe a relation to the great pacer, uh, but a very important piece of what the NFL Combine has been about for years, especially here in Indianapolis. The National Football Scouting president, which is based here in Indianapolis, Jeff Foster runs the show in what is certainly his busiest week of the year, and I would make the argument maybe the most important NFL week of the year when you consider the future and the present of the NFL. And uh, we'll head to the Payless Liquors hotline right now, and Jeff does join us. Jeff, I know it's a very busy week, so appreciate your time here on this Tuesday morning. Um, when this week comes around, where is like your, your nerve level? What, what are the biggest worries on the plate of Jeff Foster this week? Well, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, appreciate it. And, yeah, busy week, but we're excited. Um, for me, probably the biggest challenge is making sure all the athletes get here because that's really out of our control. You know, so we look at weather patterns and um, all the locations that players are flying in from, and uh, we have this text chain uh, with our event staff that's my favorite text of the year, and all it is is a number. Um, so when the final player lands, uh, we all receive that number. Um, and so this year's number is 319. So when I receive 319 tomorrow, I'll be excited. Now, see, it seems to me, not to slight two players, but the number should just be 317, right? That, be <laughs> that would be easier. easier you know, we're actually lower than we ever have been um, in my time here, uh, which is, uh, we believe it's a function of NIL and uh, COVID years and things of that nature. Um, but yes, uh, 317 would be great. Jeff, if you could, for our listeners, take me through kind of twofold. 
Number one, do you live here in Indy, and you know what is what goes in year round towards this to get to this point? And then number two, what is kind of just the oversee preparation of? The combine is it simply a matter of making sure that you have all of the facilities and and people ready to go? Well, I do uh, live here in Indianapolis. I'm a Zionsville native, um, so um, you know having an opportunity to keep the event here in Indianapolis was really important. You know, and after 35 years of hosting the event and then being told uh, that they're going to bid it to other cities, you know, Indy had a, two options. You know, they could roll over and be upset with it, or they could put their best foot forward. And to their credit, visit Indy and that great team there and our partners here in the city. Um, they put together an incredible bid that earned the earned all of us the you know the two years here uh in indy and as we start the bid process for 25 and 26 i expect they'll do the same uh so excited to be here uh in indy again um for us um, it's a year-round operation um our office is located here we have uh, five full-time staff including myself um we also run a scouting service national football scouting uh for currently 21 teams um and then um, we do some other projects for the league and then obviously the combine here is the biggest piece um, so we have a few staff members that work on this year round. And a lot of that is just collecting feedback after the event from the players, from the coaches and the personnel people, um, trainers, training facilities, agents, um, to just see how we can improve the event next year, specifically for the player experience. Uh, that's really our focus, um, is making sure that the players have the opportunity to perform here. And the club people uh, can collect that Im- important information, whether it be the medical side, the interviews, Uh, or the on-field performance. So for us, um, it's a lot of preparation. It's obviously heavier at the tail end, um, but it also connects very well with our scouting service because that helps with the selection of the players and uh, leads us right into the event operations. Jeff Foster is our guest on the Payless Liggers Hotline. He's the organizer for the NFL Scouting Combine. Jeff, um, one of the things that I have always heard that makes Indianapolis the place for the Combine and that is so unique is the access, medically speaking, in terms of if there is something where a player needs to get a second you know, MRI or scope or something like that, or if anything medically takes place, everything is so close in proximity. Are there direct partnerships or business relationships with just say, for example, IU Health, or do you go to any of the different medical facilities that are available within proximity of downtown, regardless of which business they're involved with? Great question. And um, IU Health is our partner. Uh, they're our anchor in the city. Um, you know, when we talk about moving this event to other locations, uh, if you give us a stadium uh, and connected hotels uh, and some convention space, those components are much easier to move. Um, but the medical component and the complexities of the scheduling um, are really the biggest challenge for us. Um, and IU Health is our exclusive medical provider. Um, they're our partner. And, and really, that they're what make it go. Um, we start meeting with their uh, staff uh, in October um, or November each year um, and work through some of the changes and improvements that we're going to make on that medical side. And um, they have always been great to provide us with new innovation, um, You know, whether it's helping us with uh, the development of a new electronic medical record system um, or um, you know, the mobile units that we mobile MRI units that we have down in the stadium. Um, and, you know, what people don't understand is that when we're trying to do the volume of tests that we do, which, you know, last year we were somewhere around 550 MRs and uh, 2000 x-rays um, over the course of four days. 
um, those hospital facilities, they don't shut down for their other patients. Um, they just have uh, incredibly efficient schedulers, and uh, they assist us with moving the players around, um, not only for um, the imaging, but uh, for some of the um, special studies that we do on athletes. It's a huge reason why the Combine has stayed in Indy for as long as it has. Jeff Foster is with us here again, president of National Football Scouting Inc. on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, Jeff, how do, you said 319 players, how does the selection process for players happen? Well, it's one of our challenges early in the year. As you know, evaluating players is um, it's very subjective, uh, and we don't always get it right. Um, and I think uh, the 32 teams would probably tell you the same things. But um, we've um, made adjustments over the years in trying to improve the process. Um, and starting five or six years ago, we invited all 32 teams to participate in a voting process. Um, and so um, we start selecting the seniors um, at the beginning of December, um, all 32 teams, um, as well as national football scouting and blessed scouting um, are invited to participate. Um, and, you know, generally the first 150 players um, are fairly easy to select. Um, it's that last 150 to 200 um, that create challenges for us. And, um, you know, we have to wait until the underclassmen officially declare in mid-January. Um, and then we put them through that same voting process. Um, and then that's what, um, you know, generally um, the talent pools kind of dictate um, the, new, the numbers by position. Um, we have to have so many to operate the event, you know, especially in, you know, positions like quarterback. Um, but generally the talent pool will dictate. Um, and so we'll have a, a small committee that will help us, um, you know, scouting directors, general managers that, that select those final spots. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year, um, when we look back on it and we look at the draft, I think our average is somewhere around 30 to 35 players who get drafted that don't get invited to the combine, um, which I know that makes it look like a miss for us. Um, but it also shows um, how similar that talent pool is at the very bottom. So the 25 to 30 players that are on the outside looking in could have very easily been in um, and deserving. And that's one of the hardest parts for us. If our listening audience that maybe doesn't understand what exactly the week looks like for, for prospects, can you give us kind of a general idea of what that, I think it's a four-day cycle, if I'm not mistaken, on players from arriving to leaving. I know workout times have been moved up a little bit uh, to the afternoon this season or this year. So what does a schedule look like for players? Yeah, well, there's really four main components of the event for us. Uh, the medical testing, which is our number one priority, and that really um, it spans over the first two days. Um, and then the interviews, um, so there's both scheduled formal interviews that the teams can select and we schedule for them, and then there's informal interviews. And typically we do those in the evenings, um, and those last up until um, the second to last night for the players. So um, this year it's a little bit different. Um, the defensive players will be here four nights, five days, um, and the offensive players will be here five nights. Um, so um, it's, it's long for them. Uh, the first two days um, are challenging because um, of the medical testing and the imaging. Um, and then uh, the interviews, um, we do a little bit of assessment testing. And then obviously the final day um, is the workout. Uh, one change that we made this year is we moved the bench press to their departure day uh, to try to spread things out a little bit more um, and to provide the athletes a little bit more time for rest and recovery. Um, and um, that's worked out really well so far. Uh, looking forward to seeing how, um, you know, how the players compete through that new schedule. I was hoping the bench press would continue to be near the radio row because that's my favorite part is listening to some guy that's like a 5'10", 220-pound strength and conditioning coach from a random NFC team screaming at the top of his lungs. 
That's my favorite <laughs> yeah. part of the combine. Yeah, it's, we moved it into the stadium this year. Oh. Uh, we think it'll, it'll be a good experience for the players, but yeah. Um, Were they complaining about the Radio Road dorks? Is that what it was? <laughs> no, not at all. They're like, man, how can I get juiced up? I got these radio geeks over there talking and screaming. <laughs> um, Jeff, last question for you, and then we'll let you go because I know you got a busy morning. I know you said you're from Zionsville. How did you fall into to what it is that you do? Fall into is probably the wrong word, but what is your actual background just in terms of the rise to being the guy that is now, you know, the go-to guy for one of the signature economic events of the city. Well, fall into it uh, may be accurate. Um, sometimes it feels like you drew the short straw, um, but uh, no, I've been fortunate to be involved in football um, for my entire career. Um, after uh, I finished at Arizona State, um, I joined the um, East-West Shrine game, um, and I was with the Shrine game when it was um, in San Francisco uh, for six or seven years and had an opportunity to run that game. Um, and then from there, I moved to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and I worked for uh, Coach Vermeil uh, and his staff um, on the personnel side. I did a couple of years of college scouting and a couple of years of pro scouting. Um, and then my predecessor, Duke Babb, um, uh, was retiring. Um, and at that time, National Football Scouting had 12 teams that belonged uh, to their service. And so each team got to put up a candidate to replace Duke. Uh, and Carl Peterson, the GM at the time at the Chiefs, um, nominated me from the Chiefs, and we went through a selection process, and um, I drew that straw. Um, and so uh, here I am. Do you have a Pacers Jeff Foster jersey by chance? <laughs> I don't, but I have some interesting uh, Jeff Pacer experiences, uh, or excuse me, uh, Jeff Foster Pacer experiences when we arrived here. Um, you know, when I arrived uh, for my first combine meeting, um, the city had sent um, a, a car to pick me up, and the gentleman who was picking up didn't believe it was me. He was holding a Jeff Foster <laughs> sign, and I walked in and shook his hand and said, I'm Jeff Foster. And he looked at me, and he gave me that strange look, and um, it, it took me a little bit to, uh, to figure out why it was so odd. But, um, Wait, you no, grabbed no, 10 rebounds a night in the NBA? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of like the guy who won the uh, dunk contest this, uh, this year, right? Um, I guess I have those kind of hops. There you go. There you go. Jeff, I know it's a crazy bit busy week uh really appreciate the informative segment and uh good luck and thanks for everything you've done and uh, helping keeping keeping this event here in indianapolis thanks very much look forward to seeing you guys this week that's jeff foster right there the national football scouting president again the combine a bidding process occurred last year it's the first time ever that they've gone to a bid uh to decide where the combine is going to be that bid was awarded to indianapolis for this year and next and as Jeff mentioned, we'll see what happens 2025 and beyond. You would actually think that Jeff Foster out of Southwest Texas State is the one that would be running a football combine, right? <laughs> a little bit there. I mean, yeah, yeah. And that the Jeff Foster from Zionsville, Indiana would be the one that was the basketball can guy. measure the high energy and the intensity right. that Feisty Foster brought to the table? Uh, Norv Turner going to join us at 9 o'clock talk about Shane Stout. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Aiken, Kevin Aquari, coming up 8 o'clock hour. Kevin, I just got to thinking about this. If How many quarterbacks can you name that are currently on the roster of the Carolina Panthers. Ooh. Uh, is P.J. Walker still around? I, I think that's probably right. Is Darnold a free agent or is he under contract? I think I, I think he's under contract. If I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you've got that roster in front of you, I'm 
pretty sure Jacob Eason maybe is on the roster. Yep. Okay. Eason is, Mark? Uh-huh. There's somebody else you're missing. Oh, Matt Corral, right? Yep. I liked him at Ole Miss. And I think Matt Corral, because he was hurt, right? Yeah, he suffered the season and the injury early in the year. And that's kind of the guy that's thought that you know they're going to give a fair shake to. But my point being... And they have the ninth overall pick. We should throw that out there. You know, they could certainly be in the market. If, if... Who is the quarterback that you would say is most associated with the career of Frank Reich? Oh, definitely Wentz. If Carson Wentz... When Carson Wentz came to Indianapolis and after one year was sent packing, do you believe that was in any way, shape, or form related to Frank Reich? Oh, or 1,000%. Well, what I'm saying is, do you think Frank Reich is the one that said, we need to get rid of this guy? Frank or- Reich loves, is obsessed, however you want to describe it, Carson Wentz. If Correct. Frank Reich had his say, Carson Wentz would have been the quarterback last year here. Correct. So what I'm saying is, if Frank Reich, knowing that he has P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral, who may not be healthy, and Carson Wentz is now available, if Carson Wentz is not discussed or mentioned or signed in Carolina by Frank Reich. If Frank Reich does not actually reach out to Carson Wentz, is that not the greatest indictment of Carson Wentz that you could get? Well, I mean, if Frank Reich's looking to get fired again, he would go after Carson Wentz. Um, There's no way, shape, or form I would be signing Carson Wentz to my football team. Certainly not under the impression that you're going to be our starter like Washington and Indianapolis did, Indianapolis via trade. Jake, because I think not only can Carson Wentz not play anymore, he also, it's become a distraction. It's and, become and again, like a bit of like the butt of jokes. Like it's, it's, last it's year an with anomaly Washington, to it me. was... I, I, like it's... Anomaly, I'm sorry, is the wrong word. It's an enigma to me. Like, I was I was one of the last, actually, to, to, to throw in the towel on Carson Wentz because I... There were times where I looked at his skill set. He was big, mobile. He had a good arm. Occasionally, he'd make throws that you're like, wow, the Arizona play. But, Kevin, there's just – I don't believe necessarily at all times in, like, it factor. You hear that about guys. There are certain guys that – I've always said, Peyton Manning – You know, Peyton Manning had an aura about him, and it's hard to explain to people, although I think people can clearly see it, but it's hard to explain to people that weren't in the locker room, like when you would cover the Colts, and I don't mean in the locker room, like in the form of like, you had to be in a locker room. You know, I'm not going with like the meathead line there. I mean, like... if If you weren't physically in there, like covering a game or practices... Guys would kind of be horsing around and Manning would round the corner and like you could just see that everyone kind of stopped to see what his mood was. He was the alpha. He was the clear alpha. And guys of all backgrounds, all races, all sizes, all positions within that locker room deferred to what Manning's mood was and that dictated and set the tone for where they were going. And there were a lot of times he was very loose and cut up and whatever else. But there was an it factor about him. Andrew Luck had it to an extent, Kevin, and the fact that Andrew Luck was so eccentric but so gifted 
and so unaware of his own celebrity that I think his teammates respected that also. And they just knew that as a player, they almost had to. Carson Wentz seems to have the exact opposite of that. He's like he's like Pigpen in Peanuts. Like he just has like this little like emanating radiance of stink around him that people just don't want to be a part of. I don't know what it is. I everything I've heard, he's a nice enough guy. I've heard people because he's living in Indy still. The fact that he still lives in Indianapolis shows me that he is like totally tone deaf. Like he's completely unaware of the fact that when he walks into a hardware store, people go, I, I think that's Carson Wentz. And think it's odd. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just here to buy some two by four, you know, whatever. Which good for him. Uh, yeah, I don't. Th- I mean, some, he's clearly found a home that totally. He I, I totally agree. In a property in the Boone County for, area. For that he whatever loves. reason, though, there's just something about him that when he walks in locker rooms, have you ever been in? I mean, you're a married guy. I know. Have you ever had either a roommate or at any point like? Have you ever had a roommate that you didn't get along with and you would pull in and you, you saw their car in the driveway and you're like, oh, man. Sure. Like, that's what it, that's what Carson Wentz as a teammate seemingly is. Yeah, I don't think it's universal, to be fair to him, inside that entire locker room. But, he, but he's 0 for 3 now. Three different franchises have said, you know what, yeah, we're, we're going to... Well, good. I think his on-field play has a lot to do with it. You know, I, I think the offensive linemen especially um, were very close with Carson Wentz when he was here in Indianapolis. It's just kind of crazy when you go back to Philadelphia and you think about when Philadelphia started telling the NFL what they thought of Carson Wentz, just how that was ignored, or I guess, in Frank Reich's case, you had kind of a stubborn individual thinking that, no, I can fix him. And then Washington said, oh no, we can fix him. You know, if you look back on the timeline of it, and again, for those who missed it, I guess Carson Wentz released by the Commanders yesterday saves them twenty six million. Carson Wentz signed a one hundred and twenty million dollar contract in the summer of twenty nineteen. So right there, Philadelphia is saying this is our franchise guy. One hundred twenty million dollars, twenty nineteen, the summer of twenty nineteen. Jake, they made the playoffs that year. Carson Wentz was a huge part of them. Late season surge, they get into the playoffs. Three months later, in, in that season. And yet, they come back in April of that year, and they draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. Yeah. So think about that. They sign him to the mega deal in 2019, that summer. They then make the playoffs that season. Wentz got hurt early in that playoff game. They come back in the draft, and they take Hurts. Then, in 2020, that's when Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. He gets benched late in the season. And his time in Philadelphia is over. So, during the course of watching Carson Wentz lead them to the playoffs as a franchise, they were turned off by something. Enough to draft Jalen Hurts with a a notable draft pick. I mean, a second-round pick is certainly notable. No, we're not going to help out Carson Wentz with that draft pick. We're going to draft a quarterback because we have some uncertainty. We have some rocky thoughts on the future at that sort of position. That, to me, when you look back on it, it's like, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? That Philadelphia made that move before he led the league in interceptions. Uh, There is no way, if I'm an NFL team, I'm bringing him in to, frankly, even... I I, I would not bring him in. I think it's too much of a distraction. I think it's way too much of that. Um, I, I don't think he would be accepting of some, you know... Josh McCown, Jacoby Brissett right, type right. backup but role. But he is. I, 
enough He's got to be a better backup than most players, most backups in the yeah, league, right? I don't want my backup to have that distraction yeah, and that just I, I awkward kind of cloud hanging over it. By the way, and he's not even the biggest headache in Washington right now or figuring out what they're going to do in terms of now that he's been released. Yeah, is there some Daniel Snyder? Um, this from ESPN.com. I'll just read it direct, and I want to make sure that um, I'm quoting ESPN.com here. Daniel Snyder's final breakup from his longtime minority partners in Washington's NFL franchise began with a footnote in April in an April 2020 financial report. The note revealed a $55 million credit line the team had taken out 16 months earlier without the knowledge and required approval of Snyder's minority partners, the three billionaires who owned 40% of the franchise. The secret $55 million loan has become a primary focus of federal prosecutors in Virginia who are investigating allegations of financial misconduct by Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. Multiple sources with firsthand knowledge of the inquiry told ESPN. A federal grand jury has issued subpoenas for a cachet of documents related to the team's finances. I I know nothing about money, um, but that doesn't sound good for Daniel Snyder, who is unquestionably one of the least liked owners in the NFL and uh, as I have mentioned one of my favorite anecdotes of the combine when with no names mentioned to not get anybody in trouble one popular establishment in Indianapolis I asked once who's the like the biggest pain you've ever had in here and they're like uh without question Daniel Snyder was a complete horse's ass when he was in here okay do you think that's one of the few things Daniel Snyder and Jim Mercer agree on their venom towards Carson Wentz <laughs> Does he have venom towards Carson Wentz now? Apparently so, because he got rid of him, right? <laughs> um, Mark, did you see the odds yesterday on who will end up drafting number one overall? Not which player, which team? I did. I, I, I think if it's the same one you did, you saw the Houston the Texans. Houston Texans at plus two fifty. The Chicago Bears at plus two seventy five, and the Indianapolis Colts at plus three. Fifty. For those unfamiliar, maybe now, with exactly what those odds mean. Obviously, none of them are overwhelming favorites, but those three are pretty jumbled together. What I, if I what was if surprised team, by that? What if the team making the pick is drafting for? In other words, f- for example, like when Kawhi Leonard was drafted by the Pacers, everyone knew they were drafting them for a prearranged trade. Uh huh. So, for example, if Chicago selects the first overall pick, but it's because they have already planned a deal where they're swapping, you know, four player whatever, and so they are drafting for another team. Which one is credited in Vegas as being the number one, the team that selected number one? Yeah, I, I, it I, would be Houston, right? I, I mean, it would be Chicago, right? I feel like that is really unusual in the NFL. I know it's Understood. super popular in the NBA. No, I get but it. But I feel like in the NFL, you don't get a lot of Draft we've trade, selected right. this guy and now right. we're trading him and you know, ten minutes later right. to said team. Mark, are you surprised by how close those are? I thought the Texans would be more of a favorite to draft one. Yeah, it was I was surprised that the Bears are two just because I don't I don't think the Bears are gonna there's any, like, I don't think there's any chance the Bears are drafting one overall. But Mark ideally what who drafted number one overall when Eli Manning was in the draft? Chargers. Correct. So, like, which one, which team is credited? Is are the Chargers credited as the number? I guess they are, right? As yeah. Having they had the jersey picture and everything. Right. He looked like he was Fair. wanted to be anywhere else. I'd but, like to know this: what order, Kevin? What if you had to pick it right now? 
the first four quarterbacks taken in the draft are going to be who and in what order? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I. for me, it would be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. The, the Hendon Hooker one I think is interesting. Um, his age, I, I don't think the ACL should worry too many people. I know he won't throw at the combine this week, the Tennessee quarterback. The age, he's 25 years old, so I know that frustrates. Is he Brandon Whedon? Yeah, it, yeah, I know. I, I mean, wasn't Brandon Whedon even er, older than he that? He was 26, I think. Supposedly, Brandon Whedon, when he was drafted by Cleveland, I, the narrative has always been that that Cleveland, like, had they were going for somebody else, and that player got selected. So Cleveland just like, panicked. panicked, and they're like, "Ah, just uh, okay." The guy from Oklahoma State, yeah. take him. What's well, a guy? Alphabetical order. Well, let's just go with that. Uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about it. Yesterday, for me, it's not as much about what these quarterbacks do on the field coming up on Saturday when they do work out. It's a lot of what happens in these meetings. You know, we had Jeff Foster on about a half hour ago, the president of the National Football Scouting Inc., pretty much the driver of the NFL Combine, not the former Pacer. And he mentioned those formal and informal interviews. To me, that is going to be a huge separator in what you end up having um, from a quarterback standpoint. But how about this one? In the first four picks, over under two and a half quarterbacks get chosen. In the first how many? In the first four picks, over under two and a half quarterbacks get taken. I take the over. I'll take the over too. And, and if that is the answer, and I agree with you guys, I would take the over. That's why I don't think the Colts can sit at four. Because under that scenario, the Colts would be getting the third quarterback. But again, Kevin, I go back to, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing. I'm simply offering the explanation from the other side of it. What the Colts have to ask themselves is, which is a greater chasm? The divide or the disparity of talent between quarterback one and quarterback three, or the divide and disparity of talent between the roster they would have if they stand pat and the roster they would have that they would deplete in order to move up two spots, three spots. That's the question. And I don't know the answer to that. That's what they have to figure out. Yeah, I want to be the chooser. I I don't want teams to choose my quarterback for me. Like, I want to be the one in control. That that position means way too much. It can cover up others. I can do what Jacksonville did this past season where I can find support in free agency um, to help kind of accelerate that growth. I thought Jacksonville did an unbelievable job with you know the Zay Jones and the Evan but, but Ingram Kevin, and I'll, I'll the this way. Christian Kirk free I'll agency moves. If you're getting ready to go Christmas shopping, okay? You're going to go Christmas shopping, and I have for you four gift cards. And I tell you, I have $1,000 gift cards to four different stores here for you to do your Christmas shopping for your wife. Okay? <laughs> Boy, you got paying $1,000 for Maddie's Christmas gift? If I told you that those four cards are to Saks, Nordstrom, Lord & Taylor, and Bloomingdale's, you'd probably, and I said, but I'm not going to tell you whether you're going to be able to pick the first, second, third, or fourth card. That's different than if the four cards are to Saks, Macy's, Coles, and TJ Maxx. 
because the first one you're like you know what i'm pretty good with if, if i don't get sacks might be my first choice but if i end up with bloomingdale's or lord and taylor that's still pretty darn good and it's not a huge disparity but in group number two you're like okay if i don't move up to get sacks i could end up getting stuck with tj max which is still fine but it's not sacks the colts have to figure out to themselves which grouping we're talking about are these four quarterbacks Sachs, Lord and Taylor, Bloomingdale's, and I can't remember the other one I mentioned, or and Nordstrom, or are these four quarterbacks, Sachs, Macy's, TJ Mack, that's what they have to ask themselves. And I don't know that we know that. I don't know that they know that yet. But to me, that is what determines whether or not you move up. You know, if I'm Chris Ballard, Jake, and I get this wrong, I get fired. I I, I want to if be If you the were one. Chris Ballard, yes. I don't think Chris Ballard does, though. I, I, I want to be the one making that call. I I guess to you, the gift card analogy, I want to be the one picking the gift card myself. I don't want others dictating that. And I you know I know I mentioned this yesterday, but I think it's it's on the list of reasons why I would want to trade up. The fact that you have the Houston Texans sitting there at two, they have the draft ammunition that they do. I don't want that guy in my division for the next decade. That's fair. That, I think, is a huge, huge part That's a fair point. of the urgency that I would have with this. Um, I know we got a couple calls we can get to here coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Norv Turner is going to join us at 9. Mark, are you saying he's out on the West Coast? Is this going to be he's live? He's in California. Gosh, he was, he's on Rick Venturi time. Yeah. Well, he's uh, an old co- coach. He's used to getting up early. Uh, Film studies. Yeah, he's got to get his work done before Miss Sherry Turner. Like That's right. Miss Sherry Venturi. That's right. That's you know, right. Uh, wakes up in the morning. Uh, by the way, Coach Venturi was texting me some big horse wins um, for oh, really? him over the weekend. Yeah, he's very, very pleased about that. Uh, North Turner, the mentor to Shane Steichen, he is going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. And uh, it'll be enjoyable interview to get to know a guy that you know honestly hired Shane Steichen to coach defense initially which I always think is kind of a fascinating part of the Steichen background that North Turner thought highly of him to give him a job on the defensive side of the ball in his NFL start uh it is a bit of an overcast Tuesday here in Indy certainly far less rain hopefully far less wind than we had yesterday um I guess this is probably what it looks like to start sectionals most years, Jake. Yep, and then that means flurries at some point, right? Is that what I'm seeing Friday and Saturday? I don't know. I'm going to be hey, good. Good weekend to get out of uh, St. <laughs> Pete, right? That's right. Uh, he's Jake Corey. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton. Time for a morning check. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And we'll start with college basketball, and why not start with Ball State tonight on the road in Akron? Michael Lewis's gang, 29 overall. They are a game behind the Zips in the max standing. So Akron at 12 and four, Ball State at 11 and five. That's a seven o'clock tip. Also tonight, Purdue and Detroit Mercy at seven o'clock. It is Iowa and. Indiana, 7 o'clock from Assembly Hall for the 15th-ranked Hoosiers. And Marquette, the 6th-ranked team in the land, taking on Butler. That game begins at 6.30 from the Fieldhouse. Butler trying to get back to 500 on the year. They are 14 and 15. You might have just heard me mention Indiana's ranking. 15th in one poll. They are actually 13th in the coaches' poll. Purdue stands pat, ranked number 5 in the land in both polls yesterday. Uh, Tonight in Bloomington again, it'll be Indiana hosting Iowa. I think 5.5. 
was last I saw five and a half point favorite the Hoosiers you look back on that first meeting in Iowa City that was part when IU couldn't guard anybody 91-89 Indiana blew a 21 point lead in that first matchup race Thompson went down late in the first half uh, Chris Murray had 30 it looks like Iowa you know Iowa when you think back to over the weekend, had they lost that game to Michigan State, which they were staring right at it, that would have been three straight losses for them. But it looks like they are uh, on the right side of the bubble pretty comfortably. Uh, no surprise here, Jake. Jalen hood Shafino, your Big Ten Player of the Week and your Big Ten Freshman of the Week. It would seem if you're the Big Ten Player of the Week, you're probably the Freshman of the Week, right? Yeah, that would probably be accurate <laughs> if, there. If you win it for all... Do they do a National Player of the Week? I think he'd... Garner some attention for that. Yeah, I right? would think he'd be up. Zach Eady's won that a couple times, right? Uh, Robbie Hummel on the call tonight. 7 o'clock ESPN2. Our coverage will begin over on WIBC at 6. Uh, in the association last night, by the way, Charlotte 117-106 over Detroit. It was Miami over Philly. The Knicks over the Celtics 109-94. Knicks have won six straight, by the way. Orlando over New Orleans 101-93. Other big news. Uh, by the way, Paulo Bancaro, also known as Patrick Mahomes, 29 last night in that game. Um LeBron James is going to be out a little bit. Oof. He's got a right foot injury. This is what happens when you start getting into your late 30s, right? I mean, hell, and you tack on the playoff games he's played, it's more like into his 40s. You're right. In his NBA career. Tonight, again, Pacers hosting the, or excuse me, on the road with the Mavericks, seven point favorite Dallas. They are just on the right side of the play in out west, but they have lost four of five since. Um, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, that pairing. Does sound like Maxi Kleber could be back. For Dallas, he's a big guy that's missed uh, the last couple of months. All right, uh, we got a couple open segments coming up here, and then at the top of the hour, like we said, Norv Turner going to join us here. Kevin Aquari on a Tuesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. A busy night on the hardwood. Uh, Butler Marquette at 6.30. Indiana's got Iowa down in Bloomington at 7 o'clock. And the Pacers, it's an 8.30 tip from Dallas against Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Uh, Purdue back in action Thursday. That is 9 o'clock at Wisconsin for them. I know, obviously, yesterday, deservedly so, Indiana... Um, yeah, they more than deserved all the praise they got for that performance on Saturday. Um, Purdue, Jake, third time in seven years winning the Big Ten. They can win it outright with a win on Thursday or Sunday. Uh, considering the preseason expectations, that is quite the accomplishment for the Boilers. And I think that's why Purdue is still on the number one line. It, you know, Aside from kind of the geography that you had mentioned earlier and some of the, the issues there... I, the reality is if you win the Big Ten regular season outright, it's pretty hard to, to keep you out of – when the Big Ten, the ACC, although this year I guess you know, you'd know you go more Big 12 and, and – The ACC is horrific. SEC, yeah, I know, exactly. But I'm saying traditionally speaking, though, you know, you win those leagues, you put yourself in a pretty good position. Yeah, you know, we've brought this up before. You look at kind of the bracketology stuff, there's not a lot of the traditional – Midwest to you know Eastern time zone. If you want to geographically think about it, you know top seeds. You you really struggle to look at it and see a whole lot. I mean, I, I guess you you throw certainly Purdue in there. Um, at times Tennessee's been up there. At times Virginia's been up there. 
You know, Xavier's got a nice resume. And when you look at Indiana and Purdue's resume, you know, two of the best parts of each of those resumes is what they did in those Big East games. Indiana winning at Xavier and Purdue beating Marquette. Yeah. You know, you would have put Kansas and Arizona above that game for Indiana. And then for Purdue's case, you would have put, you know, what they did out in Oregon with I'll give credit. Zag and Duke. Are you familiar with the guy? He runs one of the Purdue websites. I think his name's Travis Miller, but he goes by T Mill. Are you familiar with him? I am not, no. He had, when Purdue beat Marquette, he had sent a tweet that said, I have a feeling by the end of the year, this is going to be a really nice win. And somebody was like, they beat one of the lower teams in they were picked a to finish really like bad Big East. And he's like, I'm just telling you, they're going to be decent by the end of the year. And I mean, that's right, right? Yeah, I mean, again, it's Notre Dame basketball, but they did play Marquette at home this year. Marquette just smoked them. I was like, wow, you know, with how competitive they were against Purdue. And then that, um, they certainly have been a pretty good surprise here this season. Okay, uh, Jim texted me yesterday. I think Jim lost a bet on the IU-Purdue game, and I, I believe he wanted to. I, I guess this is part of paying the bet, Jake, is you have to call into the show. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, Jim, tough one with the Hoosiers dropping both, or uh, with, with your Boilers dropping both these meetings? Yeah, Kevin, uh, thanks for letting me get on. Uh, it's very tough that they lost both of them. Uh, so I have to admit, in these two games this year, IU is definitely the better team. So uh, I'm saying that for my bet, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the year. I would love to see both of them advance very far in the future. Now, now, just out of curiosity, when you, you say... feel the knife in his heart when he said that. When you say, I'm saying that for my bet... Jim, it, does what that I, I'm hearing? What I'm hearing you say is I'm saying that for my bet, and what I'm interpreting then and filtering is you saying I don't believe a word of what I just said, <laughs> but I have to say it because I made a bet. Uh, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a man it. of your words, Jim. I, I like it. it. <laughs> Great work there. Gosh, you got to love the Purdue IU fandom. I, I tweeted this out at halftime on Saturday, Jake. And, you know, I know I've said this a lot over the last month with Indiana and Purdue. You know, my age range is not used to what I saw Saturday night or what I saw in Bloomington earlier this year, where both these teams are ranked. And,. Obviously, what Matt Painter has done over the last decade speaks for itself with Purdue. But you know what? Major credit to Mike Woodson for getting that program to realize, those players to realize, what it means to play Purdue. Right. And the intensity level it takes, the locked-in nature to the scouting report, all of those things. And that game just means more. And whether it's either environment, obviously Indiana was very competitive in West Lafayette last year, could have won that game as well. Um, pretty darn impressive. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Fred joins us. What's up, Fred? Fred, how are you? Fred? You there, Fred? Fred? Did Fred go to sleep? Okay. How about Jim? Boy, you could just tell Jake the pain in his voice having to admit that. Steve, what's up? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, you know, I'm the biggest market basketball fan here in Indianapolis and just really excited about the game tonight. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, it's been, been a hell um, of a year for you, Steve. And you kind of like Butler too, right, Steve? You know, I've, I do belong to a very unique Butler fan base having gone to both of the Final Fours. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that, but I know that you obviously, you know, your heart as a Milwaukee guy, um, this season, 
as a Marquette fan, probably has gone for you a little bit like Purdue fans, right? In the fact that nobody else thought they would be here, and yet here you are. That is correct. And, uh, you know, the reason that Marquette's where they're at right now is because of the guard play of Tyler Kolek. You know, he's a Bob Cousy nominee, and he really is the finisher. And without some uh, late uh, game heroics, Marquette would not be in the position that they're in right now. He, he's kind of crazy. I mean that in a good way, Steve. No, I mean that in a very good way. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting, though, with the guard play. I remember watching at the beginning of the year when I was in Milwaukee, uh, Marquette was playing Wisconsin. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Marquette did beat them. But that was like an upset, right? And then those are two teams that have gone totally in the opposite directions. But Shaka Smart, Kevin, you know, there was a time where Shaka Smart was thought to be the absolute can't miss. And then you see this a lot with guys, right? He go, When he got to Texas – it was like, oh man, you know, now Shaka Smart in Texas, like that's the guy that everybody wanted. Here come the Longhorns, and it just kind of never got going. So he then goes, maybe takes a step back a little bit at Marquette, and I think now you see what the result is, right? Well, and you think about Villanova and the year they've had in the Big East, it almost seems like Marquette has kind of now re-slotted themselves into that. I mean, the Big East has had, I would think, a very high seed, if you look back on it, typically Villanova. Um, but they've had a very high seed in recent tournaments, and maybe now it will be Marquette. And we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, Joe Lenardi was on with John yesterday, and his latest bracketology, he's got Purdue as the final one seed. Um, that would be in New York. I assume that's Madison Square Garden. That would be a pretty cool regional. Yeah, that'd be, that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. You, I, have you been to the Garden? No. Oh, no, man. on the bucket list magical you walk in the garden i mean it's a dump but you walk in there and there's just something about it and he's got indiana as a four seed that is in the louisville region can you imagine how many iu fans would be at the yum center for that one i'll be like assembly hall south right yeah well when purdue went down there and played tennessee exactly Mm -hmm. Uh, let's try fred one more time fred what's up what's going on guys i'm sorry about that that's all right. You working this morning, Fred? Yeah, I'm working. What, what line of work are you in, Fred? I own a box truck. Oh, that's cool. I, I drive box trucks. So, and you drive that? I think we've talked to you before. Do you drive just around town, or are you like over the road? I'm over the road, man. I'm everywhere, wherever the money takes me. Now, now <laughs> Fred, right now you are where? I'm sitting in Indianapolis in Plainfield waiting to get loaded. And then once you get loaded, like tonight, you will lay your head down uh, on the pillow in what city? Uh, Back home in Indianapolis. I'll be going to Battle Creek, Michigan to just drop off. Uh, Tomorrow morning, I'll be heading over over the road. Now, if it's Battle Creek, is it Frosted Flakes you're delivering? Isn't that where Kellogg's is? (laughs) Isn't that right? Yeah, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm actually delivering to the uh, mom-and-pop store, man, okay. me Miles place. Okay. Nice. But, Fred, but, Fred, what's your favorite highway in the state of Indiana? None. None? You hate them all? <laughs> man, we, Indiana has the worst highways in the United States, man. 
you can tell you back in Indiana where the way the truck bounces. <laughs> okay. All right, Fred, what's on your mind? You mentioned, you mentioned uh, Madison Square Garden. I went to New York a couple years ago. I'm a huge basketball fan. I always wanted to go to the garden, man. I walked out of Grand Central, man. There was garbage piled up the wall, and it smelled like an outhouse. <laughs> totally ruined my New York trip. But that's Grand right. Central. They're probably on a they're probably on a strike, right? <laughs> this was right before COVID, too, man. So you know, it was it was bad, man. I said a couple years ago. It was a few years ago. But what I wanted to call in about, man, was to talk about uh, the IU situation with uh, the guard coming back. And nobody's mentioned. Everybody's talking about what Hood Stefano's going to do. What about Trey Galloway, man? Trey has been balling out late. Just wanted to hear you guys comment on that. I don't to the bench, man. He wasn't as productive coming off the bench as he's been in the starting lineup. I would agree with that, no Fred. Here's the thing about Galloway. I'm not putting Galloway on the bench. No way. Xavier Johnson yeah. can 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 come off the bench. And I think that's what his role is going to be. I I really do think Galloway Galloway has found his shot. I think you mentioned yesterday, Kevin, now that you know he, he had a, an issue with his wrist. But he has become a, a very consistent outside shooter. He is not afraid to shoot. You know, Miller Cop is a really good shooter, but Cop passes on a lot of looks. The other thing that Galloway does that I think Fred's right when he says he's balling out. What Galloway has done is really become kind of their unheralded dirty work guy. And I don't mean like he's setting screens and he's, you know, he's not, he's not the disruptor that like a Chris Kramer or even at times Ethan Morton is for Purdue or Kramer was. But he is the loose ball tap, keep it in play, jump start things guy. He just has like an instinct about him that is really hard to replicate. You can kind of tell that, that he's grown up around it. But his outside shot and the consistency of it has become, I mean, a really nice piece for them. And I would agree. I, I think Xavier Johnson comes off the bench and, and you honestly look at him and you go, okay, you, you got three or four shots here to show what rhythm you're in. And if you're not in rhythm, you're coming back out. But Woodson made comment of the fact that, hey, look, I've coached in the NBA where you're plugging guys in and out. So I, I, I'm able to know how to find that rhythm for players, and that's going to be key. Yeah, for I'm that. not messing with the starting lineup, and, and I think you know, I think Woodson has kind of pumped the brakes on the Xavier Johnson return. I think he's been a little bit more, certainly publicly, he's been a little bit more cautious about it. Um, you know, think about Galloway, and I've just always thought this, and again, the wrist injury I know has played into it and has lingered for a while. I thought to myself, and I know I'm stereotyping a bit here, but I'm like, wait, the son of an Indiana high school basketball coach shoots like that? Right. That's not what you're used to in this state. Like you're always used to the son of the uh, of the high school coach being one of the best shooters on the team, and obviously he's found his stroke. And, and again, I think health has played into that. But the second half on Saturday night, when the game turned, as much as Hood Chafino's 35 speaks for itself, it was Galloway on both ends of the floor. Those first five minutes of the second half, he turned Braden Smith over on a couple of occasions. He had kind of a crazy layup. He hit a three. He was the one that I think was the catalyst in in turning that from down, I think they were down six. I think Purdue scored on the first, uh, had the first points of the second half. He's the one that turned that around. So if I'm Mike Woodson, I'm not messing with that starting lineup, particularly Galloway, because he also guards oftentimes the opponent's best player, which would play into it as well. 
I, I thought something, Jake, from Saturday that has to give IU fans even more excitement was on one night, and again, it is one night, so I want to throw in that caveat, but in one night, Jake, they answered arguably their two biggest questions of the season. Can you do it when Trace is quiet, and right. I say quiet in, in, in quotes, Understood. and can you do it away from home? And again, it's one night, but they answered their two well, biggest questions. Especially Hood Shafino away from home. It, right. right. Or and throw Galloway in there, throw Cop in there. I mean, they haven't been as reliable away from home. So that is where I think you exit. And obviously, you aren't going to see road environments in the tournament. You're going to see neutral court environments. But that is something that I think stands out. Your final chance to play in a big-time road atmosphere. You've got two home games this week. You're probably going to have a, you know, a really good crowd in Chicago for the Big Ten tournament. That, I think, is what gives IU fans a little bit more hope of, oh, wow, we were able to check both of those boxes that have been the two biggest ones all season long. I'd like to do a day trip with Fred. Like, just, this is, he's doing my dream job. Being a, an over-the-road trucker, I'd like to just I load up I thought that was on, bagging at, Cro- at Well, Kroger. that too, and, and they still have yet to get back to me. I do, I, I am going to become a grocery bagger. Soon, I got to finish school first in May. I thought you applied. Speaking of Plainfield, I thought it was out in... I did. I did apply, and I haven't heard back from them. My, my, what I want to do is become a rotating... They did call Mark and I for afternoon a background <laughs> Grocery bagger. I want a bag. I want a bag and then occasionally stock, but I want to work with at Kroger's in areas where if they still... I don't even know. Do high school kids still do that job? But where there are high school kids maybe doing that job that... Are you know are from backgrounds where they don't have like a lot of structure? I, I think it'd be fun to do that and, and get to know some of those kids. But I also would like to just for for a day, I'll bring combos and then Diet Mountain Dew and and just ride with Fred. We can we can I'll I'll, I'll select the music and then we'll just right. off we go. You hear a lot of complaints about the highways. Apparently so. Uh, apparently, once we're out of the state of Indiana, I'll do it with Fred. And no, no. Boy, trash. he sounded like smooth sailing. Once no we trash got out collection, of, right? Outside of the state of Indiana, That's there. Right. I'm like bold that you're controlling this radio too. I don't know if he wants to hear the Clemson fight song for six hours in a row. Sure, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> right, JMV takeover. Here Any, we are. Saturday anything night, but country. Fred. I'll put on anything but country. North Turner going to join us here in 15 minutes. Again, the mentor to Shane Steichen. Looking forward to that conversation again it's a tuesday morning here in indy a little bit of an overcast day i don't think anywhere near the amount of rain or wind in the forecast as we saw yesterday but pretty good temps for late february here today and especially tomorrow i think it's upper 60s tomorrow uh kevin aquaria right here 93.5107.5 the fan kevin i could live to be 100 which is zero chance it's gonna happen let's go halfway there baby that's <laughs> no way uh, I could live to be 60, which is 60% chance there. And, and forever we'll be grateful for what is today's date, Mark? February 28th. I will forever be grateful for the knuckle trick that Kevin taught me today, Boy, which I'd sounds... never before heard. I don't know what Washington Township schools were doing. The knuckle trick. Excuse me? That sounds bad when you say it the way you just said it. Well, do you want a knuckle sandwich? Would that be better? Keep threatening me with violence this so, morning. What's so wrong with you? If you start with your, if you if you make comments. a fist, 
you and you don't use the thumb. So you make the fist. I'd never heard this before. And then you got the little mountain range of your knuckles, and you start with the knuckle that's raised. That's January, and the divot February. Then raised is March, and then the the knuckles are the ones with thirty one days, and the rest of them the the divots are all under mm-hmm. thirty one. And you know, if you look, I don't know if your hand is the same way, but the lowest divot for me would be the February one, just in the shape of my hands. Really? I don't know if you feel that way, right my, in between my, the index and the middle. Yeah, no, I'm going on the far right. The, the, Got it. That's where your yeah. divot's the greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, riveting radio here, a visual <laughs> lesson. But yeah, if you Not wanna, one, but two segments involving knuckles this want to know your days over the 12 months out of the year. This is the kind of stuff we do. Trick. Mark, what do we do on this show? We educate and entertain. Thank you. Uh, North Turner going to join us in less than 10 minutes. Shane Steichen and Chris Boward will meet the media tomorrow. The Shane Steichen coaching staff is being finalized. The reports yesterday, Gus Bradley back, defensive coordinator. Uh, are you good with that, Jake? Yes. Uh, I think that's the one area. I, that was We made a lot, Kevin, of Bubba Ventrone's departure. I think Gus Bradley departing would have been um, a pretty significant loss, don't you? Yeah, I'm probably not as like... I, I felt like there were times late in the year where we were ready to build a Gus Bradley statue. I, I don't know if I'm there... Um, but I think it's if you're Shane Steichen and you're so offensive minded and you obviously are gonna have this quarterback draft pick, the defensive staff you want to have total trust in. You don't want to have to babysit them, right. worry and, well, about them. And you also want the players to, to know and understand the guy that's coordinating them. Right. right. And it's the same system now the scheme of course, and everything else. For two years in a row. There's not a ton of free agents on that side of the ball. I mean, Bobby Okereke and Yannick Ngakwe are a couple of them. Um, but there should be some Good retention over there, Buckner and Stewart and Zaire Franklin and Gilmore and you know Julian Blackman and those guys all should be back. Um, if you look at the staff right now, the makeup of it, the defensive staff, assuming Gus Bradley retains his assistance under him, they're the older group. The offensive staff is very young and very inexperienced. Um, so that's an interesting, I guess, dichotomy, if you will of the two staffs. Uh, the offensive line coach reportedly is Tony Sperano Jr. Jake, he has never been a full-time offensive line coach in the NFL. Considering the importance of that group, does that concern you at all? No. Um, does it concern you that the offensive lines he's been associated with recently have not been good offensive lines in the well, NFL? Well, that, that, yes. It does feel like Kevin, I don't know what it was with this offensive line. To me, the bigger question for the Colts offensive line is making sure that they are healthy as opposed to schematic. You know what I mean? Like, I, for whatever reason, man, they they just – they have earned the benefit of the doubt to say they had to have just simply been not healthy last year, right? I mean – I. Gosh, because I, I don't know if I can just chalk it up to that. I, I know. I mean, that's fair, but there, you know, there was tangible. We, we know that they can play well together. We we know that. Yeah, I think you can point to all five individuals though and see regression. And, and I get that all five guys weren't the same last season as they were the previous year. But if you look at the five positions, I think each of them didn't play at the level that you had in previous seasons. Um, and, you know, from an injury report standpoint, it's not like you were overly banged up with that group either, which honestly is a tad scarier when you look at it like that. Um, you know, 
Bernard Ryman, of course, needs to continue to progress, and I thought he had some much better moments late in the season. He needs to get stronger out there. Um, but then I, I would like to see a move in the interior. I, I'd like to see them go out in free agency and find a new right guard, put what Will Fries as more of a depth piece. And I know this is something that we'll do in the next couple of weeks with free agency, two weeks starting from Wednesday. Jake, whenever you see a new hire particularly head coach, I immediately go to where that coach came from and look at that team's free agents. So I, I, I've been looking at Philadelphia's free agents. Okay, do, do any of them fit areas of need for right. the Colts? The Eagles have a lot of defense. They have a lot of free agents, period. They have a lot of defensive free agents. One of their offensive free agents is their starter at right guard. Now, you know, I know fans probably won't love to hear this, but he probably is most known for the false start in the Super Bowl that led to a third and six instead of a third and one. Jalen Hurts fumbled, and that was a huge play in the game. But, I, you know, I, the Eagles offensive line, of course, a pretty good group. So I think that is something that, you know, do you go there? Do you make a move there um, to try and find a little bit more veteran experience, starting experience in the NFL? And I think you have to look long and hard at releasing Ryan Kelly. I, I just don't think he makes... It's hard to argue that, man. I, I don't think he's lived up. To the contract, I know Danny Pinter is not a slam dunk, but that is an avenue that I would be exploring. And Ryan Kelly, I mean, obviously we know that there have been, you know, he and his wife had a, a very challenging and so I, difficult, you know, loss of a child. I mean, I, I totally understand. I don't know if that's connected or not, Kevin, but it is certainly understandable if that is why Ryan Kelly regressed. Might have just been age also. You know, as for Bernard Ryman, um, he was kind of thrown in eventually on that left side, and I think there were certainly some growing pains. Then you have to ask yourself... I think Ryman's got a good chance to be a, a, a nice left tackle. Well, I you you wonder if he himself feels like he'd be able to return to that kind of a form. I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> so, yes. It's one of the greatest drops we have. <laughs> I mean, just that pause. The I mean, it just he did, tremendous. He's clearly been asked that before, right? Since he's, by the way, that was when we had him on. He is Austrian, by the way, so he was doing his Schwarzenegger. That's rare air of Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that's, that's rare air. Thank you oh, for that. Oh, buddy. Uh, North Turner joins us next year. That was Mark Dykton that pushed that button. Kevin Aquari (laughs) on a Tuesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nine o'clock hours underway in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's nine o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program, Mark Dykton flying the ship for us, and he is the one responsible for the sounders that you hear, by the way. Uh, it is Kevin and Query here on 93.5-1075, The Fan. And this is impressive because Norv Turner is the coach that gave Shane Steichen his first coaching opportunity. That took place with the Chargers. Do you want to know how many organizations Norv Turner has worked for at the professional level, Ooh, Kevin? Ooh, 13. It's a great guess. Uh, I have it as 10. Do you 10? Think, do you think he can name all of them? 
I would think so. Strikes me as a intelligent individual. You think there's any that one would just forget? Like I kind of. Well, I'm sure there's the, some forgettable moments. It's like me. I mean, media jobs. I, I there are some I forget. Right. Yeah, Norv Turner. Uh, the first interaction with Shane Steichen occurred back at UNLV. That was when Norv's son Scott was at UNLV. Uh, both of them, Scott and Shane, playing for the Running Rebels, and that interaction led to. Again, Shane Steichen's NFL coaching career beginning on Norv's staff with the Chargers. Um, it was initially on the defensive side of the ball. Then he went to Cleveland with Norv Turner. Uh, that was when Norv uh, took the OC job with the Browns. Shane bounced back over to the offensive side of the ball. And then from there, it kind of took off for uh, for Shane Steichen. I thought it was interesting. The Colts sent out a press release when Shane Steichen was hired. They had a quote in there from Norv Turner. And he pointed out something that, I think is what makes the Steichen hire attractive, obviously on the offensive side of the ball. Norv pointed out that you look at the offense that the Chargers ran with Justin Herbert when Shane Steichen called the plays, and the offense the Eagles just ran with Jalen Hurts. Two very different systems, different quarterbacks, and the fact that Shane was able to have success, be adaptable to that, um, is something that Norv thinks uh, makes him a good coach and uh, thinks he's going to have pretty good success here in Indy. I'd like to know this: if you if you had ten franchises that you worked for, seemingly you would have a ton of like sweatshirts, hoodies. Like I'm all about the gear, right? Yeah, uh huh. I want the gear. Uh, which one do you think he wears the most? Hopefully, the powder blue. If I, if Chargers. I give you, if I give you the franchises, you tell me which one you would be wearing the most. You ready? I'm going to stand by powder blue Chargers, but sure, yeah. Okay. L- 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 Rams, Cowboys. Okay, then how about least? You tell me the which which one's the one where you're like, eh. Rams, Cowboys, Redskins, Chargers. Well, I mean, I guess Commanders now, but Redskins when he was there. Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, 49ers, Browns, Vikings, Panthers. Yeah, I mean, for the obvious, probably the Redskins. Don't think I'm going to rock a whole lot of that gear around. Uh, boy, I, some of those I really like. And Browns? Yeah, I'm not big Browns. I'm not a big Panthers. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I can get behind the Vikings, certainly. Um, again, the Chargers, unbelievable throwbacks. And then can we get throwback Rams? Or, yeah. I mean, hell, he he might have coached well, them. Well, throwback Rams when is, they were wearing is current throwback. Rams, right? Right. I guess don't give me the St. Louis. I don't like the dark blue. Yeah, that was bad. When they went to the Navy with the, the actual gold, the royal blue and bright yellow Rams, the best Rams. Uh, Marcus feverishly working, by the way. Now, you said North Turner. It's like 6 in the morning for him, right? Trust me. I was like, man, 6 a.m. local time? That's Certainly can't blame him if he overslept. Leslie Frazier stepping away from coaching for a year. Plans to return to coaching in 2024. Just announced. Jake, that was a name that you thought could be kind of floated around here. I I remember. I mean, his name was certainly mentioned, you know, early on in the process and he has familiarity with indianapolis but um, maybe not going through that process was part of the maybe he just thought you know what i'm good we shall see uh but joining us now on the payless liquors hotline he is a guy who is synonymous with coaching throughout the national football league as we had just mentioned worked with 10 different franchises and along one of those stops gave the first opportunity at the NFL level to coach for coaching for Shane Steichen, who will now become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Norv Turner joins us on the program. Coach, 
top of the hey, morning, morning to you, man. It is like it's six a.m. for you, isn't it? It's uh, it's our normal time to get up. We just wow. I was in the other room. I lost track of time here. No, that's impressive. I'm ready to go. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> I love it. Hey, let's begin right away with this. Um, and I appreciate your time and perspective. And look forward to talking to you, but. You know, you you were in on Shane Steichen, obviously, early, right? You saw something in him, and ironically enough, on the other side of the ball than where he really developed a name for himself. But take us through just your initial meetings with him and why you decided to reach out to him and give him his first opportunity. Well, you know, uh, like a lot of these situations, there's an association. I actually met uh, Shane when he was in college, you know, he was there with my son, Scott, at UNLV. So I knew him, and then um, we had an unusual situation. We had, in May, I think we had an opening as a, I was creating, actually creating a, a job on the defensive side, uh, defensive assistant to do a lot of everything, and uh I reached out to Shane. He was at Louisville, and he was excited about it, and uh, it worked out. You know, he came in and worked on the defense side for a couple of years. Uh, we went to Cleveland for a year, um, and then it worked out for him to come back to San Diego. As you know, uh, you know Philip is Philip Rivers is a big fan of Shane's, and. Uh, they they worked awfully well together for the that time they were there. Nor what was it about maybe what you saw as Shane as a player or how he interacted, you know, with with Scott? You know, like what was it going back to maybe to those UNLV days where you thought to yourself, "Oh man, this is a kid that you know could could have a pretty bright future in the coaching world." Well, I think uh, most of that would be you know the the visiting with Coach Robinson, uh, who was his coach, who was obviously my coach and. I worked for for a long time. Uh, you know, Scott thought a lot of that saying. Um, I was around him enough to know that he was uh, serious about football, and you know, it's uh, it just worked out. You know, and when you when you hire a guy in that position, you, you I don't think anyone can anticipate you know the rapid rise and the way things work out. But he he was. Shane's been put in some, you know, he's put himself in some real good situations and he's taken advantage of it. You know, he's, he's been able to coach good players. Uh, they respond to him. Uh, you know, so he's had success. Norv Turner is with us. Shane Steichen calls him his mentor. He gave him the first opportunity in the NFL. Norv joins us here on this Tuesday morning for an offensive coach. He's going to call the plays here. He's made that very clear. His quarterback background speaks for itself. What do you think those couple of seasons on the defensive side of the ball did for his career as a coach? Well, I told him when he, when he came in, I was, uh, I was fortunate that when I was coached at USC to coach on the defensive side, I actually coached the secondary uh, for a period and I think it gives you a real different perspective on, you know, what offensive, what defenses are trying to do, uh, how they look at offensive teams, uh, you know, the way they uh, put together a plan to, to stop schemes or stop players. Uh, it just gives you, a, you know, an insight to how guys guys think. And uh, Shane was with some really good defensive coaches, and, uh, you know, I think he took advantage of it. 
Coach, you obviously you know had a similar path where NFL coaching obviously can be you can become a vagabond in general. That's part of the business. But when you go to multiple stops, both as an offensive coordinator and a head coach, based on your experience, is it a bigger challenge to go into a to a situation to have guys learn your system or is it a bigger challenge to go in and say you know what I'm going to tweak my system based on the players that I am now ha- inheriting with this new position does that make sense what I'm asking in, in terms it, it of it makes it makes complete sense uh, even for this early in the morning for me <laughs> uh, the, you know the thing that I just I'm just probably a little different in this in this way I, I think um, the game is is about players, and you, you, certainly your scheme helps the players. Uh, but you know, a, a real good player is going to be good in any system. Uh, now, I think what you're asking, and, and I think Shane's very capable of doing it, is you tweak your system to who you have, and, and obviously the the offense with Herbert that. Shane was running was a lot different than what they did in Philly uh, for for the for the, you know the, the whole offensive group there. But there's there's key things that you see that Shane does, and he did them. He's done them with all the situations that he's been in with Philip, with with Herbert, with Hurst. Uh, you can see things and and the. The thing I like about what he's continuing to do, uh, he try he he continues to create and try to create explosive plays because in our league that's in, and that's how you score points. You better make explosive plays. If, if you don't, uh, you know it's it's just too tough to grind it out. And how long does it take to to figure out your like when you go into a new situation? How long is the assessment period before you can get a really good feel of who you have and, and, and how much tweak you can do? You got to tell me who the quarterback is first. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the million-dollar <laughs> question in the league, right? We're asking no, the same question. I, I, yeah, you, you – uh, I was telling the guys, and this started me, all the guys I've coached would, would uh, tell you the same thing. I, those first meetings, hey, guys uh, – if you do something real well, we're going to find a way to put it in the game plans. We're going to find a way to use it. If you do a lot of things real well, then you're going to be used an awful lot. You know, if you're if you're a one or two trick pony, then that's that's what it is. And sometimes players have a tough time hearing that because you know we all have egos and they all think they're good at everything. But that's your job as a coach to to figure out what guys are best at and and in the games let them go do it North Turner is with us here on this Tuesday morning again the mentor for Shane Steich and um, giving us some great insight into the new head coach of the Colts Norv your history you know calling plays being a head coach you know putting that on your plate was something that that, that you did Shane has made that clear he's going to do that here in Indianapolis what would be your advice as a first time head coach in handling and delegating Various responsibilities. Well, I think you gotta you gotta match it to who you are and uh, what your experiences have been. And and the, the best thing Shane has going for him in terms of the initial part is he's called the plays from the sideline. 
uh, you know, he's done that uh, uh, for wherever he's been, I believe. And so it's not that far away from what he's going to be doing. It's a big step coming from the press box down to the field. It's it's a lot different. Uh, and then I think you just you, you you prepare, and you have people who are helping you along the way. And I know everyone now has an analytics guy, but you have a, a game management guy who can help you. Uh, I always had the special teams coach always alert on every situational thing because they're the guys that as you're making those critical decisions it's usually you know are we going for it are we punting are we kicking a field goal are we going for it those type of things and and you know way ahead of time i wanted the special teams coach uh communicating with me okay coach we're on the 40 uh you know we were we need eight more yards to kick a field goal the, the, those type of things as you're, as you're talking and you learn to do both of those things and you know uh, I think uh, Shane with having guests there having someone to lean on that way that'll help him in that process too you know I look at it coach Los Angeles Dallas San Diego Miami San Francisco like you pretty much cornered the market on the coolest places to coach right <laughs> like well, was this know, my strategy uh, I coached at USC for nine years that was my my first major Stint. And then we just moved down a few miles to Anaheim that was in Los Angeles Rams. So I was in L.A. 16 years. And then we started making the treks across country. And you're right. I mean, to coach in Dallas, to, to live in uh, Virginia, coach the Redskins for the – they were the Redskins when I coached them uh, – you know, for seven years, uh, those are those are great times, and there's a lot of uh, good times. And obviously, when you're coaching NFL, at times there's struggles. But we we've been fortunate uh, to be with good people, you know, wherever we've been, and and that makes it a lot more enjoyable. You know, one of the guys that you coached, who's an Indianapolis guy, that I've gotten to know as an you know in a, in his post playing career. Um, and that I, I think the world of is Jeff George. And Jeff speaks very highly of you, Coach, uh, of his time in being with you. And he told me, he said, yeah, man, I loved playing for him, but Daniel Snyder absolutely ran the show. And, and that at times, maybe from Jeff's perspective, he saw that as, as being a challenge. Was that challenging to have owners that, that step in and overstep? It was uh, the biggest challenge um, is in, you know, when – uh, Snyder bought the team. We were, we had worked our butts off, and it took longer than I wanted. But we'd become a good team, and and uh, you know we traded for Brad Johnson, and then that '99 season, uh, we, you know, we were second in the league in total offense and second in the league in scoring. The team that was ahead of us was uh, St. Louis, the greatest show on turf, and and Brad had a had a great year, and we had Stephen Davis cranking it up, and. Uh, you know, we just made a, we just made too many changes after that first season. Dan wanted to, I think he wanted to be a part of it, wanted to have an impact on it, and um, it just it just made it tougher that way. Uh, but it's more that's what's happening in the league now more than ever. There are more, uh, you know, owners that are that want to be right in the middle of it. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that want to 
make sure they get their voice in to help the coach. So it's, I think it's a little more complicated now. Do you think Indianapolis has perceived that way? I mean, do you think Shane Steichen coming into it is aware that perhaps they have an owner that's going to want to have his voice heard as well? You know, there's a there's a pretty good history there of, of uh, the Colts having some pretty good success and, and having a, a run where, you know, I, I from what I understand, it wasn't a situation where any, there was a lot of interference. Uh, you know, it makes it easier when you have Peyton Manning and, and uh, Tony Dungy and that crew. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, Shane's very comfortable with the way things are, have been set up for him, and that uh, he, he's comfortable that he'll be, you know, able to be the coach of the team, and that's what you can ask for. Coach, last one from me. Um, I'm sure there's times where Colts fans, you know, maybe they haven't been the biggest Norv Turner fan, um, <laughs> considering what you did in the 2007-2008 playoffs. Uh, if you had to pick one of the two playoff wins that you had with the Chargers over the Colts, which one was sweeter in your mind? Well, they, they were both great wins, and I'm, you know, I'm a big, big, big Darren. Sproles fan, if it was up to me, um, he would have never left San Diego, but and that's what we're talking about. You know, sometimes uh, you're a head coach and you don't have the final say in certain things. Uh, but the coming into Indianapolis and, uh, you know, the whole situation with Philip getting hurt late in the game and, and everything that happened, and the, the, it was such a great game. The number of times we uh, came from behind uh, in that game, or the way it went back and forth, and, and to win it the way we did, uh, you don't you don't get much better than that. You know, it was uh, it was awfully exciting for everybody. Okay, last one for me, Coach, and I appreciate the time this morning. Uh, Rams, Cowboys, Redskins, as we mentioned, they were then. Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, 49ers, Browns, Vikings, Panthers. I'm the first to admit, Coach, that if I coached at those places, I'd have like nine closets of free gear that I took when I left on my way out. So which sweatshirt do you find yourself wearing the most often, and which of those teams do you actually think, you know, it's been a while since I've worn a hat, sweatshirt, or T-shirt from that club? Well, it's uh, that that one's a tough one. What we actually have uh, is we have a little place up in the Hampshire on Lake Winnipesaukee, and and we have a lot of different teams' sweatshirts up there because uh, <laughs> it gets it gets cold at night, and you want to beat the mosquitoes. That's so uh, I don't wear a lot of um, a lot of uh, gear from any teams, but it comes back to me now. It comes back about about people. Uh, more than places I coach. So, you know, there's people that you're close to and that you're rooting for. Obviously, my son's at the Raiders. Uh, Shane, I'll be a, I'll be a Colt fan uh, unless they're, they're playing the Raiders. You know, uh, you, it's about people. I've, I've had a lot of people that work for me. Kevin Stepanski I work with. I mean, you can go down the list of guys that uh, have have been with you or coach for you so you tend to root for people more than places well, speaking of people uh two friends of mine from high school kevin and ryan foley they played with your son drew at san diego briefly met oh drew <laughs> when i was visiting uh them and, and some other buddies out in california and it was uh he, he was a good kid so um no shock here you've been so <laughs> gracious with your time on this tuesday morning so thank you for that coach yeah sure i, I enjoyed it uh did you survive 
hanging out with those guys with the Foley's and with Drew. I mean, yeah, the Foley's, you know, uh, they look innocent, but they can be up to a little bit of trouble here and there. That, that, that was quite a crew, yeah. They, they had a lot of fun. That's how it's supposed to be when you're in college, right? They did, yeah. I think I've uh, aged a little bit from that trip to California when I went to visit them a couple of years ago. Uh, Coach, thank you a ton. Shane Steichen, we're going to chat with him on Friday, so looking forward to uh, making that connection with him, and I uh, really appreciate your time here. Absolutely. Good luck to the Colts. That's Norv Turner right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Sweatshirts in New Hampshire, Jake. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of course. And the mosquitoes. Got to keep away the mosquitoes, Got right? To. You ever been in New Hampshire? I have not. And you you walk outside in New Hampshire and the whole air, it's, I know this sounds weird. It just smells clean. Like you walk outside and literally it just smells like pure evergreen cleanliness. My, uh, my parents have been to Maine a couple times, rave about it. I do feel like, not to like get too stereotypical, I do feel like that's a good like old place, old person vacation spot. Except for that it's like 30 below half the year, but yeah. When you were gone, we actually got chocolates and sodas from Maine. You didn't give uh, Kevin his allotment, did you? Oh, Mark? I got an email Yeah, it's on saying, his desk. He hasn't looked at it. I, don't I got an email saying I had a package. We have desks here. here. Yeah. Yours is sitting there too. What, I divvied what? up my portion so we could do it on the show. Wait, I have a desk? No yeah. no shock that Jake and the desk don't see eye to eye. Here. <laughs> you, you mean you don't go there after it's the just, show ends at 10? Do they deliver stuff over there? Uh, well, yours is behind mine. I usually use it for like spitball practice. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee. Uh, go check that. Can you show me where it is sometime? Yes. Okay. Take you by the hand and sadly, walk Sadly, it's there. right across from mine. Um, thank you to Norv Turner. And uh, Mark, appreciate you making that connection there. What I know Bob Kravitz helped us out. What do we have for a desk? Huh? What occasion do we have for a desk? There's these things, you know, maybe posting articles to the website. Like when you're calling Bob Kravitz to set up things like Norv Turner, you use the desk? You can do that. Okay. Big part of that. Uh, If you missed it, that'll be up on the podcast. Again, we're going to round out the show today with Brett Calloway. Um, If you are stopping by the Omni Hotel here this week, you're going to see part of that transformed into the Exos Athletic Training Facility. Um, Exos is a huge, huge a partner with a lot of NFL Combine prospects that have been training there over the last six weeks to get ready for this week. And uh, has trained a lot of Colts players in his time there. So this is an aspect we heard from Jeff Foster earlier, just kind of the lay of the land of the Combine here in Indianapolis. But obviously from a prospect standpoint, this is a pressure-packed, filled week. And they can make a whole lot of money, can really help themselves out with a strong Combine performance. So we'll chat with Brett coming up at 9.45. Before we get to a pop quiz, it's Morning Checkdown time. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. College uh, basketball rankings between the media poll and the coaches poll, identical one through five. Houston, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, and Purdue, the way that they are slotted for that matter. Marquette carries the top six to be consistent from both. Things change a little bit there. Baylor is eighth in the coaches' poll. They are seventh in the media poll. Texas is seventh in the coaches' poll. Indiana slots 15 among the media. They are 13th in the coaches' poll. Maryland out of the Big Ten also ranked 21 and 24th, respectively, between the media and coaches' polls. College basketball tonight, it is Marquette. As we'd mentioned, the sixth-ranked team in the land taking on Butler at Henkel. That game tips at 6.30. Ball State, who you just heard, in Akron, 7 o'clock tonight. A chance to move in with the Zips into third place in the MAC Conference. Both of them, uh, a game separation, 11-5 and five for Ball State, 12-4 and four for Akron. Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Detroit Mercy. 
IUPUI and Robert Morris. And then at 7 o'clock down in Bloomington, big one for the Hoosiers, Kevin. It is. Yep. They've got Iowa, um, a five-and-a-half-point favorite Indiana in this one. They responded really well after the first Purdue win and beating Rutgers at home. Of course, Iowa coming off their own emotional victory. Uh, the over-under tonight is the 8-minute and 45-second mark of the first half for a Fran McCaffrey technical. What about a stare down? Does that start at six minutes and then? Oh, that's national anthem. (laughs) Yeah, uh, national anthem for that one. Uh, A Fran Tech over under. Let's set it at a half tech for Fran McCaffrey tonight. You know, JMV and I were talking about this yesterday. Apparently, like Don Fisher has said that you know when Don Fisher does those coaches interviews before the game and you know whatnot. I've heard good things about. I I guess Fran McCaffrey is like the nicest dude ever. He is a rumored candidate for Notre Dame. Really? Would you take him? I would not love that. Longtime digger assistant, correct? Why would you not love it? Um, I want a little bit more juice. What would you guess is the career-winning percentage for Fran McCaffrey? I'm going to go with 64%. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Sienna, I'm sure he had a pretty good run there that can skew some things. Yeah, I, I would say he's been above average coach from a win-loss standpoint, but I, I don't know. I want a little younger. How old is he? He's got to be over 60, right? Fran McCaffrey is... Uh, I'm looking at it right here. He is 63 years old. He has won 60% of his games. 250. Oh, no, at Iowa, he's won 60%. In his career, he has won 59%. He's 509 and 349. Six and nine in the NCAA tournament. Chris Murray had 30 in the first matchup between these two teams, 91-89. That was, of course, the game where Indiana blew a 21-point lead. Race Thompson got hurt late in the first half. One of the McCaffreys did not play in that game, Patrick McCaffrey. Um, he is back, so um, it's an Iowa team that certainly can score. We'll see if they throw some zone at Indiana. Again, no Xavier Johnson for tonight. <laughs> Uh, Jake in Dallas tonight. Our coverage will begin at 8 o'clock. It's the Pacers at the Mavericks. We've got trackside at 7 leading into the Pacers and the Mavericks. Dallas favored by 7 in that rule 1. Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, of course, a lot of attention on Dallas here in the month of February. They have lost 4 of 5. Um, for Indiana, a lot of Dallas-related connections on their roster. Rick Carlisle, Miles Turner, um, etc., this is a game that, you know, you look at Indiana's four-game road trip, I don't think this is one that you would circle as a potential win, whereas Thursday with San Antonio would definitely fall in that category. But Dallas still trying to figure things out with, you know, how to work Irving and Doncic together, right? So is there a, a sliver of vulnerability there? I guess we'll find out tonight. Also in the NBA, by the way, last night, the Miami Heat – one hundred one ninety nine over the 76ers. Jake, that's great. Why are you telling me about the Miami Heat? Well, reunited, so so to speak, more than just peaches and herb. Cody Zeller last night, five points and a pair of block shots. Some run one down. Victor Joel Oladipo Embiid. with 11. So Oladipo and Zeller on the floor together for the Miami Heat last night. All right, when we come back, it will be time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. We'll do that next here. Kevin McCourt. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, it's time for the Pop Quiz. You got it, Jake? I do. 
I do, I do. We'll panic during the break, but we've got the <laughs> pop quiz. And again, judging by the answers, especially if you know Bobby Morris, um, I think this is pretty doable. Hey, how about this? One of the answers... Yeah, number five is impossible. My, my girlfriend's father is the name on the court of one of the answers. Number four, I am guessing? Correct. Although at the prep level, but yes. All right. Let's, uh, Jake, give us a number one through eight. Uh, You just said four, so we'll go with four. Number four is who, Mark Dykton? Will. Will. Good morning, fellas. (laughs) Will, how you doing, man? Doing well. How are you guys? Will, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Wayne Gretzky. Oh, interesting. I uh, saw his daughter last night on the uh, Netflix Full Swing series there. <laughs> there, there we go. I don't okay. know if that was necessary, Mark. I think it's very necessary. Will, when Wayne Gretzky was winning titles in Edmonton in the mid-80s, you were how old a fella? I was mid-teens. So you and I are roughly the same age then? We are. Okay. It- well, this isn't the most flattering Wayne Gretzky comment, but I'll share it anyways. I always heard that, you know, Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law, Jake, is Dustin Johnson, Correct. the golfer, you know, married Paulina Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had heard that Wayne said to Paulina, I couldn't, be- I can't believe you're marrying someone dumber than you. <laughs> wow. My wife, not a fan of Dustin Johnson. We finished full swing. She said that was his her least favorite golfer. Not the brightest bulb in the shed? No, just didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah, I could I, I could see that. Uh, why, why Wayne? Well, just... Greatness, hockey love. Have you love, seen the daughter? Yeah, grew up playing hockey. Will, when you were playing hockey, did you play in high school? Uh, no, right up until high school. Okay, had you okay. played in high school? Did your high school have hockey? We had a club. Uh-huh, yeah, there we go. Um, and that club consisted of which high schools? Uh, Warren Central, mostly east side. Okay, and and you were a Warren guy, Lutheran guy, Cecina guy? I was, I'm a proud Warren Central warrior. Okay, fair Dub enough. Dub C? Well... Big sectional game tonight, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think they. Uh, yeah, they're in that loaded section. I think it's at Warren Central. Will, have you ever seen the Elect? Absolutely fabulous band. Those are Mike Weir. Uh, Michael Weir is the best man. That guy is he unbelievable. Is. All right, he won the Masters. Mike Weir. <laughs> Question number one: Would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off? Will go with Jake. Thank you. Uh, Paolo Bancaro scored 29 points to lead the Orlando Magic in a win last night against New Orleans, the number one overall pick in last year's draft. Now has 30 20-point games this season. Who was the last Magic rookie with more than 30 20-point games in a season? Well, F. Was it Dwight Howard, Aaron Gordon, Victor Oladipo, or Shaquille O'Neal? What's that? Okay. Right, number two, Will. Horizon League men's basketball tournament begins tonight with the six lowest seeds playing at campus sites. IUPUI plays at Robert Morris tonight. Robert Morris hosted Kentucky one time in the NIT and beat them. In what state is Robert Morris University located? <laughs> Pennsylvania, Virginia, North Carolina, or West Virginia? One more time, Will. Uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, I think. That's, that's what he yeah, said here. Well, keep on your tinfoil hat and don't move to your left. Uh, question number three. Jake, your mic is off. Sorry, don't move to your left, Will, because you're breaking up just a little bit. Robert Morris is in its fourth season in the Horizon League. What conference were they in before moving to the Horizon? Keep 
keeping in mind that they're in Pennsylvania. Think about that. Uh, Patriot League, Colonial Athletic Association, Northeast Conference, or the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference? Colonial. See, I don't associate that state with that direction. Yeah, that's fair. I probably led him astray. You want one more shot on that, Will? Patriot. All right, on uh, number four here on this day in 1940, the first televised basketball game took place. Name the New York school that has affiliation with Jake Query that hosted this historic game. NYU, Fordham, CCNY, or Columbia? And no, Jake did not apply nor get into those schools. <laughs> uh, let's go with Fordham. Wow. Okay. Nice. Lastly, on this day in 1959, this future Pro Football Hall of Famer that I'm guessing you've never heard of was traded for nine players. Was it Stan Van Buren, Y.A. Tittle? Steve Van Buren. Sorry. I don't, I don't know why I said Stan. Steve Van Buren, Y.A. Tittle, Ollie Matson, or Bobby Lane? This guy actually had a signature part of Hoosiers. Again, Steve Van Buren, Y.A. Tittle, Ollie Matson, or Bobby Lane? Ollie Matson. Okay. Oh, nice. Pretty strong close there by Will there. Um, uh, Will, what's your hockey team? From a, uh, like a, we go Blackhawks, we go Blue Jackets, do we go outside the Midwest? I like the Blackhawks. Um, All right, let's see how Will did here. The last Magic rookie with more than 30 20 point games in a season. He did say Shaq. See, correcto. Uh, Horizon Men's Basketball Tournament beginning tonight. Robert Morris is, in fact, in Moon Township, Pennsylvania. Let's go! All right, try to coax Will here with a couple of hints. Robert Morris, fourth year in the Horizon League. What conference were the Colonials in before moving to the Horizon? Not the Colonial, not the Patriot, the Northeast. Don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> Kudos to the Pacers because they have hope, they have direction, and they have promise. The Colts, on the other hand, are a huge vat of uncertain suck. Hmm. Wow. One of my favorite Boy. quotes you've had on the show. Uh, Fordham, by the way, for question number four, and Ali Matson for question number five. He had mentioned Michael Weir, who was the lead singer of the elect. I'm telling you, they are fabulous. They're all Warren guys. They are super fun band to watch. They're going to be at the Slipper Noodle a week from Saturday. Boom. Week from Saturday night. I can't wait. Indy IndyCar season begins this weekend, and then I come home, and then Saturday go to the Slipper Noodle to watch the elect from 8 p.m. until midnight. Marty's there. Life is good. Look at that. It's like me partying with the Foley's and Drew Turner out in California. That's, that's Can't wait to right. see your mental state on Monday morning. Back in the day. Excuse me? Can't wait to see your mental state on Monday I, morning. My mental state yesterday was fabulous. I didn't my, get any sleep uh, at all. IndyCar season hasn't started yet, and you're going to go party at the concert and everything? <laughs> Brent Calloway, the VP of Performance for Exos, a big-time training facility across the United States, gets guys ready for the combine. He is here in Indianapolis, and he is going to join us to talk what this week is like for the prospects and what could be kind of a make-or-break week for them with their draft future. Uh, we'll do that next here to round things out. In the seven- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Clock hour today, we chat with Jeff Foster, the man who 
really kind of runs the combine has been a huge part of the combine maintaining presence here in Indianapolis. Not the former Pacer. Correct. Not the former Pacer, but seems very feisty at his job, just like Jeff Foster, uh, the former Pacer, was as a rebounder. Uh, But that was just kind of the lay of the land on what the combine is all about and everything that goes into one of the most important weeks on the NFL calendar. On the other side of it, our next guest, he is Brent Callaway, the VP of performance for Exos, which is, I think it's kind of fair to call them like the Alabama of training facilities around the United States, and they have played a huge part in many draft prospects, many Colts players as well, and their selections in recent years, and they are a busy group of people this week here in Indianapolis, and Brent joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Brent, uh, first off, thank you for the time. I, I know it's a crazy week for you. For those unfamiliar exactly with Exos or what it, you know, kind of goes into this week for prospects, could you give us a little bit of background on maybe what the past month and a half has been like for your clients? Yeah, you bet. First off, good morning, guys. Appreciate you having us on. Um, thanks a bunch for that. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, it's uh you know Exos is a human performance company. I think you guys you nailed it, and and very humbled to uh, to hear you compare us to Alabama. Uh, man, that's that's an awesome compliment for us, and and we have a we have a lot of great people that work really hard and very diligently in order to uh, to have these athletes in the best physical shape they can be in for a moment like this, which is obviously very important to them and in their career. But uh, you know we start. Typically, at the end of December, as soon as players have uh, have declared their collegiate career over, you know, if they don't qualify for a bowl game or they opt out of bowl games, uh, then we start in December with them. We officially kick our program off right after the new year. Um, so that's when we get the uh, the most influx of athletes into our uh, our facilities. Uh, and then they go through, a, you know, a, a full evaluation process, very similar to how they would – uh, be completing that here in Indianapolis with a medical evaluation and a physical therapy evaluation, sports science, um, a, a dietitian evaluation. So we can we can take a look at how they're fueling and how they're they're feeding themselves, um, and then also with, uh, with you know with all the performance diagnostics that uh, uh, that everyone has to get tested on. So they, we test their forty electronically and and their bench press test and vertical jump, broad jump and, and the cone drills, et cetera. So uh, they, they enter with a lot of things going on. And, and then, you know, from the next day forward, it is uh, about 45 hours a week for those players training eight hour days. Um, and, uh, and we run anywhere from 30 to 50 athletes through each one of our three facilities uh, six days a week. And, uh, and, and we try to be there for them, uh, just as much as their university has been in the past and, and, and really give them, uh, you know, everything that they need to, to be able to, to come in here and, and execute what their body can give them. So, uh, so that's our job and our task. So, Brent, pardon my naivete on this. Is your primary purpose, A, to put the athlete in the best position available for the combine and moving forward, or B, evaluating the athlete and then giving that information to teams of this player is has x y or z that is of benefit not a benefit from a physical standpoint etc or c none of the above it, that's a great question and it's a great way to, to phrase that question too so the, the easiest way to frame up how we operate is the, the goal of our program is to increase the player's draft stock 
you know, and so whatever we have to do in order to uh, to make that happen is our goal. And there's a lot of sub goals that go underneath that, right? Obviously, a player wants to come in and run fast. That would be a sub goal for them increasing their draft stock. If there are conversations that we can have, uh, you know, to NFL personnel or uh, if there's a scouting department or if there are uh, coordinators or position coaches that are curious about a player's personality or something of that sort, and that is of benefit to the player, then we're happy to have those conversations as well. So, uh, you know, we really try and, and um, give them the advantages, um, it, basically be a, a representative for them, if, if you will, you know, not only to, to teams, but also uh, preparing them for the physical aspect of what they have to do. So it's, it's a, holistic in nature is probably the best way to put it. You know, from a school standpoint, I think anybody listening can relate to this, and that is over the course of the semester, you haven't applied yourself as much as you should have. Now the exam's coming, and you're going to buckle down, and you're going to cram for three days to try to remember and learn everything that you were supposed to have had spaced out over the semester. Do you ever find in athletes that you can tell that they're doing everything perfectly right now but you have the inkling that they are actually just physically cramming for the combine and that as soon as that process is over with, bad habits may come back again. And if you notice that, do you share that with teams or is that like a a, a confidentiality between you and the client? Another good question. Yeah, you guys are you guys are hitting me with the uh, the heavy ones this morning. Um, no, it's I, uh, I so to to go back where you started. I think that the primary goal when these players are in the season is to win games, right? You you have to do what you have to do to win games, and a lot of that the the time that doesn't mean that uh, you know I'm I'm spending five, six, seven hours a day on my mo- mobility, my stability, my range of motion, my running mechanics, change of direction technique, and things of that sort. They're in film rooms and they're in meetings and, and, and you know, they're in class and, and doing things of that sort. So there is a bit of a um, – I'm not sure that I would call it a cramming process because we do have, you know, for a lot of them, eight to 12 weeks. <clears throat> that's, that's quite a bit of time to dedicate 45 hours to making your body as physically fit as possible. Um, but, uh, you know, they're – there, there is a level set that you understand that you're dealing with uh, 20 to 23-year-old humans um, that have other obligations and, and other, uh, you know, things that pull them away from, uh, from taking care of themselves a little bit after the process is over. Um, so, we, you know, we try to be a resource for them uh, throughout their career, and so we want to make sure we give them reminders. Um, I, I will tell you that, that with, with, the, with the goal being to help increase their draft stock, um, it, it, it's never a, a big point for us to, to, uh, you know, paint an athlete in a bad light or anything of that sort. So, so we will, whenever we're consulting with teams, you know, you're going to get a lot of the, the benefits of the player, um, is what we'll, we'll end up pitching that direction. Kenny's Brent Callaway, VP of performance, uh, Exos, a huge, huge training facility locations in Pensacola, Dallas, and Phoenix. And a couple of numbers to kind of back up what I was saying earlier about the Alabama, uh, of training, uh, 13 of the 32 first-round picks from last season trained at Exos, including Purdue's George Karloftis. Colts players include Jonathan Taylor, DeForest Buckner, Quentin Nelson, among others. Um, what is this week like for you, Brent? I, I you know, I, I was talking with Chase Altieri, one of your coworkers, and yeah. part of me kind of hit me like, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it makes sense that they would bring stuff on site so their prospects are still, you know, on that grind because the workouts don't happen till later in the week. So where are you guys set up and what is boots on the ground in Indianapolis look like for you guys? Sure. Well, you know, the last, gosh, I'd probably say 12 to 15 years, we've been at the Omni Severine Hotel, um, lower level ballroom down there. You know, the Omni's got uh, a great pool uh, down there that we get to utilize for our players. And then we've got a, a big ballroom that we basically build out to look like one of our training facilities. So we've got physical therapy tables and, and we have a recovery section where uh, Norma Tech, which are compression boots that players can put on to decompress their legs and force blood flow out and back in, in their legs. And, uh, we've got those and, and, uh, you know, a lot of soft tissue equipment so that they can work on self massage and things of that sort. But we also train. We've got treadmills that are brought in there. Um, we've got our nutrition team is set up down there as well. And, and, uh, you know, they come and, and have, uh, you know, great fuel for the athletes so they can set up snack situations for the player where the players can come in here when they're headed to the hospital to go get MRIs. And sometimes they're over there for six or seven hours and they don't have access to food over there. So, you know, for them to be able to reach in and, and pull out, you know, some, some fruit or veggie cups or um, little snack bars or sandwiches that are, are dietitians have made for them is is another resource and and the players continue to train you know you guys mentioned it they they don't do anything physical until the very last day that they're here uh, scratch that because this year the very last day that they're here they're going to bench press which i think is amazing that they move that to the very end versus it being before they run um you but like that it will be uh, oh man we love that you know yeah. and i think i think that's something that's that's right for the players um I don't know how many people have ever gotten underneath, you know, a, a barbell and put 225 pounds on it and done sure. it as many times as you could. But, but, but listen, you don't feel great when you stand up from that. And, uh, and so to think about, you know, running either the next day or even in last year's case, they were asking players to run the same day. Uh, you can't, you know, be physically at your best when you do that. So for them to move it, I think that was a wise decision and, and a player friendly decision, but, you know, they, the, the testing day is, is day four, day five, depending on the, the position group that they're in this year. And, and then they've also got to travel, and they're traveling on a Monday. So, uh, you know, they've got to pack up on a Sunday. So, really, if, they, if we weren't here to continue to work, uh, then they would not do anything physical for five to six days. And they've got a plane flight in there and a lot of hotel time and a lot of sitting and meetings and interviews and high-stress uh, moments like that. And, and then they've got to go out and, and be asked to physically be at their best. And, you know, when, when we think about how we feel after we've been in, you know, five days' worth of meetings and sitting in chairs and living in hotels, we don't always feel great. Um, and then you think about the stressful situations that they go in through and, and, you know, their cortisol levels are all elevated and things of that sort. So we're just here to try to help them level set all of those pieces and hormonally balance out a little bit and, and also be a refuge where the players can, can come to and not always have to feel like they have to be on their P's and Q's because you got the GM of the Colts walking around or, or, you know, player personnel director that's coming up to you and asking you questions, but got a little clubhouse situation for them too, where they can come over and hang out and decompress a little, maybe take a nap if they can squeeze one in. So we, uh, we really try to be here for everything that we can for them. Brent, final 45 seconds for the non elite level NFL athlete, guys like me, middle-aged guys, many marathons in two months, what are the two things that people should be doing 
if they're weekend warriors or treadmill at the gym guys just to keep their body in shape and make sure that they're ready to go? That's a great question. I would say um, number one is you can't out-train a bad diet. Right. And so uh, I know that that's, I'm from Texas. Listen, I'm from Texas and we love our Southern food down there. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, our founder, Mark Verstegen, always says that can't out train a bad diet. So uh, you might work out for one hour a day, but you're going to be living and fueling the rest of your time. So I would tell you, number one, uh, elevate the, you know, the fuel that you're putting inside of your body. And number two, keep moving and be consistent with your movement processes. And, you know, if that's biking or getting on a treadmill, make sure that you keep your ranges of motion, your hips. Uh, your back, your your thoracic spine, keep those things moving the way that they're supposed to, and that will definitely uh, add some longevity to you. Again, Brent Calloway, the VP of Performance, a busy, busy week for him. Exos, their training resume speaks for itself. Brent, great stuff, man. R- really appreciate, appreciate different it. side of the combine we haven't really talked about. Enjoy Indy. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having us on. That's Brent Calloway right there on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. We will be over at the Combine tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, he is going to join us tomorrow as well, along with Peter King. Everybody have a great Tuesday.